webcast for all things dice dragons demons and a dwarf from the warhammer worlds i'm your host patrick and as always my co-host justin what do you hear what do you say bud how's it going another week let's do it it is another week man and you know what uh, we are just rambling through the week man we got uh, we got a great guest with us uh today we are going to be talking about uh well yeah we got match play we got the general's handbook but you know we got a great guest that's that's here with us to talk about six squared studios kevin jacoby kevin thank you so much for being with us tonight bud hey thanks a lot guys how's it going eh Hey, all the way. From, yeah. and, and, if, and if you and if you can't tell, Kevin's from Canada. I love that A. That was perfect. I can't even. I can't even hope to to like repeat that. I would just mess that up. Uh, <laughs> all about the vowels. That's how it is. That's it. That's it. Well, um, yeah. So we, we got a lot we're going to be talking about today. Um, you know, Kevin's here to talk to us a little bit about Six Squared Studios. But on top of that, he's going to be talking to us about how to keep a gaming group together during this pandemic. So I think that's uh, that's a great topic. I think that that's one of that's an underlining tone that uh, maybe isn't uh, addressed. Uh, and, and also, Kevin's going to be sticking with us as we talk about the General's Handbook 2020, and we're going to be getting into match play and some sidebar topics that are um, that are going on with that. But um, so here we go. You guys ready? Oh, yeah. Right. Let's, let's go. All right. So, um, Kevin, you've obviously been on our show. You were with us uh, about uh, a year ago, um, last April, I guess, 2019. Now, um, you, you've listened to the show since then. I mean, our, our little, little I, tiny I, show. I, that's right. We, we're, we're one of the smaller shows, but we are definitely the loudest, man. That's us. That's what we do. Um, but, Good time. Yeah. Uh, but, but on last week's show, uh, we spoke about the OCR Bone Reapers, or, or, or OBR, as, uh, as we reference them, and, and the acronym. Basement Brood Brewery Boys, whatever yeah, you want to call them. That's right, yeah. I was going to say the acronym OBR. Uh, I, I said back then in the show, it reminded me of a beer. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, you, you being in Canada, you know something about that. All those Molson and Mickey's Big Mouths up there, you know, you know something about that. Um, or beer. Yeah. yeah. But the phrase OBR, it reminded me of beer or, you know, drinking beer. Maybe because I'm 100% Irish, I just, I, I really enjoy that. So, yeah. But um, so, so being that OBR are technically dead and, and walking skeletons, technically. I thought I'd start the show with a joke. You ready for this one? Here it is, oh, guys. Oh, oh, oh no! Oh so, no! You know, now this is a good one. This, you see, Kevin will appreciate this because he's a man of taste. You know, you know, Justin. I, I, I'm unsure. So, so here it is. So, a skeleton walks into a bar. All right. He walks up to the bartender, and the bartender says, "What? What can I get you?" And to that, the skeleton says, "I'll take a beer, and a mop." Oh, come on. You got to you got you got to sit on that one for a minute. All right. Okay. You know what? The punchline there. You got to sit on that one for a minute. Made it a little bit more worthwhile than the beer and a mop. You know what? I, here's you know it's after a few beers that one kills it. That that'll just that'll just get a room going. Jesus. Maybe, Kevin, maybe we should have drank before I told that joke. We mean might have helped. 
Oh, Kevin, I admire you more and more. But Remember, uh, I'm, an hour, I'm an hour ahead of you guys. So, oh, you what a what a what a man of brilliance and taste. But but folks, you know, generally, you know, here on Grimdark Live, uh, this show in any moment could be like throwing monkey dung at, at the ceiling fan. But uh, but today we've stepped up the game. We have, as I said before, uh, we have a great show tonight. And uh, to start the show, uh, as I as I've seen, we've got a couple of people here that are just joining us. We have a re- we have a returning guest with us, a great guest making his second visit here to Grimdark Live since being with us prior to last year's Armed Forces Day Two. Tonight joining us we have kevin jacoby kevin one more time from six squared studios welcome to grimdark live oh thank you guys really appreciate coming on here enjoy what you do and enjoying uh what you're doing for your community with your armed forces day thank you thank you for having him on the show today thank you uh and and it's awesome that you're back with us kevin um on on this goofy little show of ours uh but Ah. thank you so much for for being back with us And, and folks um kevin and the gang over at six squared studios uh is again for the second year in a row sponsoring our tournament armed forces day three uh but this evening kevin is here to talk to us about six squared studios of course uh their products their 3d printing uh some of their 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 tournament involvements although it's kind of been a little lackluster lately um and I'd like to hear more on this home brew game that I've been kind of hearing about and seeing on your your, your site there, Kevin. You guys got to tell us a little. Off road, yeah. Sorry. Right. So so you you got to tell us about this home brew game, man. I want to hear about this. I'll give you some of the stuff going on. There. There's going to be a lot more coming out. Uh, we've been using our uh, self isolation time at a premium here to try to get some extra work done. Cool. I, yeah. So. I'm a collector. I love collecting rule sets. I love collecting different. We're, we're in good company, man. All of us. Big, oh, yeah. We're all yeah. the same this way, right? We're, we're guys that enjoy our toys, and it doesn't matter how many we have, we always need some more. The challenge right. sometimes is getting people uh, to invest. So I buy into it, but can you get the rest of your buddies to buy into it? Yeah. So that's the challenge. They might like them all, but won't pick it up, not because it's too expensive. I say, oh, what am I going to use it for? So we decided we want to work on something called Crossroads. And what Crossroads will be is it's a game system where it's almost the idea that you're dueling. So consider these uh, entities that are out there that have changed and warped realities throughout time. And they get bored. So they go <laughs> wanders. All right. So the crossroad is, is they'll go and they'll uh, influence different, uh, different realities, different times. Uh, basically on the whim. And it's the idea of these these entities going around and collecting these uh, collecting the essences of the universe. So your uh, air, fire, water, ether, death, life, all these type of essences, combine them in a way uh, to create these creatures that then they use to battle to show supremacy to their others. It's not the idea of a battle where they're going to win or lose and try it. It's just the idea they just want to show they're better than their their peers sort of idea so who in your group is a fan of stephen king because that sounds a lot like the dark tower series <laughs> uh, there's definitely influence of dark towers there's definitely influence of like the idea of magic the idea of the different colors of mana yeah here um it's going to be a hex based game where oh that is cool oh that that yeah that's awesome because we want to be as agnostic as possible when it comes to basing all right, so if you have square bases, awesome. If you have round bases, no worries. If your bases are big, small, whatever, it's going to be based on the profile of, of the creature. And, that, and you can use whatever models you want for it. Obviously, we have a line of models that we're investing in, in doing, but by no means you can use your Warhammer stuff. You can use your sci-fi stuff if you want, whatever you want to put in there. Okay, this, and, is, this is really exciting. So, so give us the name of, of, the, of the game one more time. Crossroads. Crossroads. And, and, right. and is this out now or when is this coming out? No, no. We're probably going to be starting the play testing. We got derailed. We were going to, we started taking to conventions the end of last year. Okay. Start 
some input uh, and then everything got derailed, of course. Uh, but yeah. we're, we're, we're back on track now, trying to get these things moving forward. And uh, yeah, we're, we're getting pretty excited. Uh, we found some great sculptors that were um, that are working with us. So, uh, well, and we have prison printers now. We're working on doing actual plastic models. I saw some of your miniatures on your website that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. And, and you're damn right. Your, your, your miniatures are exquisite. They're great stuff, man. And, and you know, you know what I, I love about them is they have that, that, that classic look to them that I remember being an old guy, you know, yeah. uh, Kevin, you, know, you and I, we probably have autographed copies of the Bible, man. We're, we're a couple of old dudes right here, man. But, That's right. <laughs> but I'm, uh, not a, I'm not that young, Pat. No, but, but no, all, all joking aside, uh, folks, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about uh, the, the miniatures and many of the other products at six squared studios, but, uh, I'm telling you right now, um, get involved, get those miniatures, uh, and we're going to talk about those paint racks too. But you know, as far as like, like I'd like to talk to you offline, Kevin. Um, I would yeah. love to be involved with this play testing, whatever help I can, I can give. Um, I'm definitely going to be your 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 number one customer for this thing because. Oh, thank you guys. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying honestly, folks. Six Square Studios is a fantastic company, and these guys definitely need to be supported. Um, and, and we're going to get into that here in a little bit. But in addition. Uh, to what is the awesome company of Six Squared Studios. Kevin is also going to be talking to us about how to keep your gaming group together during the challenging times that we, we're all hearing of COVID-19. So so definitely good stuff for sure. I mean, Kevin, I, I really, you're in a gaming group yourself, right, Kevin? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. We have a great group um, here up in Niagara. Uh, so we have a good bunch of guys uh, able to get together. And uh, yeah, we've adapted and are, are evolving as things uh, open up here in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so, so def, folks, good stuff uh, on the way for sure. Um, but, gang, Six Squared Studios uh, is an awesome company. So just just listen to their motto, and I'm looking at the website right here, Gaming Accessories Made by Gamers for Gamers. Uh, there you have it. I mean, you know, it's funny. It reminds me of, of, all, of, of the simple philosophy of, you know, um, you guys ever see that movie Tommy Boy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what's the tag? What's the great tagline in that movie? You know, you can you can you can get a good look at a at a, at a T-bone steak by shoving your head up a cow's ass. But wouldn't you rather take the butcher's word for it? Here it yeah. is, folks. Yeah, there it is. Six Squared Studios right here. <laughs> Gaming accessories made by gamers for gamers. I mean, Kevin, thank wow. you so much, man. This is I mean, how about how about that for an intro to this guest, man? Huh? I mean, do we know how to treat our guests here on Grimdark Live or what? Very kind. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, no. I, I'm not. I'm not even going to say anything there, Pat, because I don't know which side you're comparing him to. <laughs> <laughs> this, you know, Kevin, with comments like that, this is why we have so few friends. Really, I, I can't figure it out. True. I, I'm waiting for the moment of silence for buffets, and it's, then we'll. we'll oh forward. no! Oh, you know what? <laughs> no. Good yeah. stuff. Well, folks, great conversation coming up. Kevin, thanks again for being with us, uh, and, and folks, we got a lot. So, folks, listen up. Six Squared Studios is the real terrain nerds you all need to be getting your terrain from. Get your commercial laser-cut MDF bases, silicone molds for resin prints, game and hobby accessories, your 15 to 28-millimeter terrain figures and vehicles. Get your nerd on with Six Squared Studios. Check them out at sixsquaredstudios.ca. Again, that's sixsquaredstudios.ca. Kevin. How's that, man? Was that a good warm up to our upcoming conversation for this awesome company? Fantastic. That was really good. Thank you. Really Thank good. you. So, so good stuff. Well, folks, uh, we're going to be right back with, uh, uh, with, with Six Squared Studios. So uh, hang with us. Hey, you Grimdark Goons. Thank you all so much for listening to our Grimdark Live podcast. 
If you're new to the Grimdark Live experience or new to our podcast and like what you hear, please follow this podcast and pass us along to your friends. Let us know what you think about Grimdark Live in the show's comment sections, and let us know just how we're doing. Also, don't forget to catch us live on Thursdays. And if that isn't enough for you, check out our website at www.grimdarklive.com. That's grimdarklive.com. Anyway, thanks for listening, following, and just being awesome. So we're always glad to look. All right, for folks, we are back. So we are going to. Uh, we, we were we were talking behind the uh, the, the thing there, and, and I was cheesing all over our guests. So it's it's definitely my fault again for uh, for, for mucking up the show. Hey, but, don't worry about it. But we are going to get into the news. We actually have um, quite a bit of things that we are going to be getting into and talking about here. And of course, like all things, we're going to be starting uh, today's news with the uh, with the rumor engine. Kevin, have you seen the rumor engine yet? Is that the crow one this week? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is the uh, that is the crow one this week. So let me uh, let me see if I can get a better uh, a better picture. I'm showing it up here, but that's a that's kind of a rinky dink little picture there. So we're gonna see if I can't uh, uh, get this uh, get this fixed up here. But so you guys have seen it. You guys have seen the crow. Uh, not not really much um, much happening there. So any any, uh, any thoughts on this one? Uh, I'll let our guests go first because I don't know if you really really want to get to hear what I'm gonna say on this one. Now I really want to know what you're going to say. I'm guess I'm guessing myself. I'm thinking it's something's going. To, uh, it's going to be terrain oriented. I think it's dark elf oriented. I think we're we're going to start seeing the shadow elves. So I think it's something to do with them. Because I hope to God it's not another repackaging of our graveyards again. Uh, oh boy! The, oh, I have one of those. We don't need any more of those. You're, Great. You're giving but, me a stomachache, Kevin. Come on, man. I, I don't want that either. No, I'm I'm guessing some sort of terrain feature or something to do with possibly even endless spell in that, but I think we're starting we're going to start seeing the shadow wells. That's my guess. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, so uh, Justin, what say you, man? Let's hear what you got to say. So, when I first saw this, the first thing that popped in my head was the dog with the key from Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> did you that really? Is the, did you really just yes, say that on the show? Yes. Yes, I did. Hey, Justin, the... we got a, we got a guest on the show, man. An important guy. You can't embarrass us like that. No. Okay, so oh boy, we're noticing we're noticing a big trend with ravens. Ravens have been showing up in the OBR. They've yep. been showing up in the undead. They've been showing up everywhere. This is probably going to be for the vampire army, in some yeah. way or form. Okay. And I'm thinking that we're going to not see a land-based vampire army. Where's too many things that are pointing at them being pirates. Wow. So you're wait a minute. Okay, let me let me catch up to this. So so so, Kevin, you, you have you think this is a 40k based rumor engine? No, no, I think no, no, no. Uh, uh, Shadow Elves. I'm I'm thinking it's oh, it's ages. You know what? I'm th- I was thinking Dark Eldar stuck in my oh, mind there. And and I'm almost wondering if the it's going to be vampire elves. That could, I like the idea of piratey dark elves. That's that's yeah, kind of vampire cool. piratey elves. Okay, mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. You know what? I I guess um. I had, I, I, wow, I thought for sure that you guys would go the way of uh, 40K on this one. I mean, considering we're kind of marred in the black and, hole that is ninth edition 40K. Let, let, let me dig that hole a little deeper so that you're seeing where I'm coming from. Please. You go back to a rumor engine we had before COVID hit, uh, the, the Crab Claw Hand, which if you look at Island Deepkin and everything, they're based about oceans, things of that matter, but they're based on feasting on souls to lengthen their lives. To yep. replenish it, which okay, shadow elves Fine. could possibly have the same kind of disorder, in a way. 
Okay. Well, you, so, so, so you're, yeah, you're talking about the Malarian elves, the elves that will be coming out. You know, okay. Right. Well, see, right. see, my thought was, obviously, when I looked at this thing, I said, okay. But I think it's going to be more of a vampire side than it's going to be an actual dark elf. I think these are going to be an uh, a, like just vampires from all different walks of life or soul stealers. Okay. All right. I mean, I looked at this thing. I saw a raven holding a key. I thought for sure, most likely, it's going to be 40K. I mean, the, the issue there is this, and I guess I'll, I'll, I'll kind of try to jump between what, what both of you guys are saying. Um, this isn't a flying pose. We can tell that right off the bat. This raven is, is, is obviously perched on the, the terrain of a, of, of a model that's either not moving or walking very slowly. So I think we can agree on that. Plus, the key isn't, right. you know, jarred backwards and all that kind of stuff. So you can tell there isn't a lot of movement happening in this particular picture. Right. My... My first thought was it looks like it comes from Middle Earth. I got a little excited there. You know, my J.R. Tolkien nerd jumped out at me, and, you know, I started yeah. running around with the beard on telling my dog he couldn't pass. Yeah. Um, but it does look like 40K to me. I'm guessing Plastic Thunderhawk maybe just got confirmed or something. At least that's my limited if, 40K well, mind right see, there. The, the, the reason I'm not going towards the 40K side is you've got more of a gothic key there. That crow has no cybernetics on it at all. And if it was 40K, it would have some form of cybernetic something. Yeah, but okay, I, I, I get the whole side. But I mean, does everything, I mean, think about it this way. I everything mean, in 40K has got cybernetics. Like the crew, Any, the crew, what about the crude army? Yeah, well, the crude army The crude army doesn't rely on crows. Yeah, it's not a primary crow. It's too yeah. small. Yeah. Okay. It's, right. it, so right. uh, it, it's definitely AOS. It's just what faction is it going to hit for? But with everything that's been pointing at, I'm leaning towards vampires and undead because they've been pushing crows pretty heavily in the undead faction. Okay. All across the board. Yeah. All right. Well, I uh, I, I like the way that that goes. I mean, a couple of things in the <laughs> – Jason Moss, thanks, but uh, one of our comments. It's, it's the vampire coast. I uh, like that one. Yes. Uh, yeah, like and that that's, where, that's where I'm getting that thing because the other side of it too that's kind of leading me that way is the Total War – uh, video game that's out there the vampire coast is actually one of the main factions in that that game yeah they, they have a they have a huge pull and a huge storyline in that game so i could see gw pulling that storyline back into aos because they have the perfect opportunity to do it okay all right i you know what i i i like the way you guys are thinking i mean i i was i guess i was stuck in the whole doldrum of of, of 40k and ninth edition 40k that whole black hole that's got all of us you know kind of in between like COVID and ninth edition 40k i kind of feel like we're just we're just getting we're, we're in one big never-ending headlock i don't know maybe <laughs> well i think i think we're going to see th we're going to see the fruition of the, the final three armies for the year before we move into 2021 okay so it'll be lumineth realm lords it'll be the giants it'll be the vampires and that'll be our our end of our year all right yeah all right, good. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's keep the news rolling here. We got our second topic coming up, and that's GW has really made the uh, the news uh, pretty uh, pretty healthily. Uh, actually, they made the actual like real news. Uh, Games Workshop hails uh, their latest financial results in oh, yeah. the best in its history. Sales and profits uh, at the Nottingham headquartered Games Workshop soared in the last year, as bosses hailed this as best year in its history, quote unquote. Uh, despite the challenges presented by the coronavirus pandemic, the, the Warhammer uh, Creators Annual Financial Report uh, released uh, to the London Stock Market Exchange and then here in the States shows a revenue of $269.7 for the year 
through May Whew. 31st, up from 256.6 million in 2019. Uh, as a statement um, this past Monday from a Kevin Roundtree, the Lenten-based firm's chief executive said, "An amazing set of results, the best results, uh, the best year. I'm sorry, in Games Workshop history so far." So, gang, uh, to, to put it into perspective um, for, for this company, uh, the, the sales rise also takes the, the, the stocks gains into, uh, in, into consideration over the past five years. So yeah. if you were to look at this over the past five years, to an astonishing 1,292%. So what that means is an investor who put in 1000 bucks back in 2015 would now have 13900 or close to 14000 today. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's huge. Ah, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's big. So, I mean, obviously they, uh, they're supervious, uh, them and I think McDonald's are supervious to, uh, rough economies. <laughs> you can dig into that a little deeper though. And some of it is, is not exactly super positive for our, our, the gaming culture. Uh, a lot of our friendly local gaming stores have been shut down. So a lot of people that were looking for the idea they're bored, they want to get things, that sort of thing, they had to go direct to GW for a lot of pieces right? Uh, for that. So instead of their margin being less than 40% to the store, now they're getting the full shebang on, on their websites for the stuff too. So that never hurt them uh, as much. Um, they had some, of course, some uh, delays on some pieces and that, but I'm just hoping people go back to their stores once they're open up and then they're, they're going strong. Uh, I love GW, but the idea is we we need to support our local gaming. That's how we bring people into the hobby. Right. I know on my side, I mean, I, I bought a lot more models and armies and stuff yeah. for that matter than I just normally wouldn't have because I have a backlog of painting. And yeah. because of the time frame, I've been able to get so much stuff painted and brought forward that it's like I need more to do. So, hey, let's buy more stuff. You know, and I went every route there was from eBay all the way to direct order. Yeah. And, you know, I think I started three or four armies during this pandemic yeah. that I normally wouldn't have touched right away. And, you know, just because and, I had time. And Kevin, I like the way you put that. I mean, I, I like the piety in, in what you just said. I mean, that was that was a really great way to put it. I guess a lot of times we get lost in the minutia of, you know, a big company and, and they're kind of in a way, you know, you know, they, they can. Uh, they're they're a little more supervious to to the ebb and flow of, of economic times and situations and yeah I, I like the fact that you know I guess in in we should have thought a little bit more about our local game stores and those people need to be supported because uh, you know that's how that's how not only for for this game here that we're talking about but for many 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 other games that's how people that's how we grow this community so bravo man I like the way you put that good stuff well, we're pretty lucky in that so um, my local game store is uh, Max Aggression Gaming in Niagara Falls uh, and. Uh, Dan's the owner there. And he, during the time he was closed down because uh, during our stage one, uh, everyone was shut. Uh, unless you were essential services, uh, your business was closed. Right, right. Uh, like a lot of the other areas. But this guy busted his butt. He kept uh, the presence for the community on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, other, other social media where he's involved in. And he would go and drop things off in front of people's houses, keeping that social distance thing. But uh, he hustled. Uh, he really worked it hard. And I see that there, that's not uh, a story that's not repeated through a lot of places. I see a lot of other people really trying to figure out, okay, here's my restrictions. Here's how I'm going to adapt myself. Here's how I'm going to do that right. to keep going. So Exactly. 
bravo to these entrepreneurs. I yeah. really, really appreciate uh, the tenacity that's needed to keep these these stores going. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, well, good stuff. Well, keeping the news moving, uh, we got our final piece in the uh, the news, or at least I would say the, the final piece that, that, I, that I'm aware of, and that's our that's our Armed Forces Day three. Uh, August 8th and 9th, and this is going to be our third year for this 100% charity event uh, to support our active duty troops. Armed Forces Day tournament is going to be held August 8th and 9th of this year, and you can head over to uh, GrimdarkLive.com to check out their information on this tournament. Um, Armed Forces Day 2020 is going to be a two-day event. It's going to be an Age of Sigmar event where each player will bring 2,000 points of an army comprised of the most recent General's Handbook and AOS rule set. This event will be a 1v1 five-game two-day tournament to provide donations to our active duty troops. We're also going to be doing a separate raffle for the Montfort Point Marine Association Chapter 2. Um, this separate raffle is going to support uh, this historic African-American Southside Chicago Montfort Point Marine Chapter after a half a century of being home to those first African-American Marines who settled in Chicago after the war in 1946. The chapter currently faces looming debt uh, with the potential for closure. So we are going to make sure uh, we're going to fight our weight in Wildcats to make sure that those gentlemen can, can remain uh, exactly in that spot. And of course, Armed Forces Day 3 would not be possible without our supporters of GameStorm Gaming, Frag Factory, 3D Printing, Mini Stomp, and most importantly, our, our guest with us tonight, Six Squared Studios. Kevin, thank you so much for, for really being Johnny on the spot and helping us out again for our second year. Thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you for what you're doing in the community. Uh, I think you're leading by example. And a lot I'm seeing a lot of other clubs in that out there, a lot of other podcasts, starting to work on projects that give back to the community, be it like humane societies, yep. veterans associations, uh, raising money for sick kids' hospitals. It shows that we care and that we have a community that, that can do things besides just rolling some dice. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's important because you know at the end of the day, and and, and not to not to toot our horn too much, uh, but I'm going to have to do it just a little, J just just a little. Um, <laughs> no, uh, when, when 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 our show Grimdark Live, you know, there's there's plenty of great shows out there that are maybe a little more technical than we are, but you know, we also understand that uh, this game and this hobby isn't always about you know, the books, or it's not always about uh, the, the war scroll, the data, the data card. It, it's about the people. It's about the people that are pushing those plastic little dollies across the table. And, yeah. you know, one of our taglines here on the show is the social contract to gaming. And, you know, uh, you know, just like, just like, you know, Kevin, you and I met yesterday and we know each other today, but the real important thing in this whole community is how do you and I know each other tomorrow? You know, if, if we, if we bumped in, you know, if let's say if every tabletop game, you know, went away tomorrow and uh we bumped into each other on the, on the side of the street would we go have a beer or we get, get into a fist fight and, and that's really the important thing and that's where i think we all need to have that in our minds and, and you know we do things we should we should build a community that's beyond ourselves all right enough preaching let's get back to the fun sorry about that <laughs> boy and, that, and, that, that, that's our pet tooting his own horn uh, just a little bit and folks <laughs> that's okay. I, am, I am not running for politics yet you should all right I'm, I'm, so yeah. how many people, how many people are signed up so far now for our well it, it's funny we this is kind of a funny, currently right now we have 26 uh signed up and you know what we're, we're yep. keeping it small we originally started out uh with 40 but uh, of course you know the pandemic happened and we peeled that back uh and we said okay we're gonna do 30 and then of course here in the, the chicagoland area they actually have people that are coming in and checking on uh, stores and, and different places to make sure that yeah. if your gatherings you're not, you're aren't not, over yeah, 50. You're not, yeah, well, if you think down. about if you think about employees of a store, gamers in the store for that tournament, and then and then your foot traffic coming in and out, 
we we kind of took a, a a swag and said okay 26 is a good number so it's it's not anywhere near as big as we would like it to be but um we are very thankful for the support the competitors the store the place to have it because um we we would we would be nothing uh we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't have the support of every last person. And you know what's great about this tournament? What, what really made me believe in this community again was every single person involved, you, Kevin, Justin, you, myself, every single person signed up to, to, to play in the, in, in the, in the tournament mm-hmm. has pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and said, what can I do to help? How can yep. we make this work? And I'm completely blown away. Uh, by the the support and the help and you know what it shows is that you know what there's a lot of really damn great people in this hobby for sure yeah, so. there's a lot of good yeah there's a lot of good people out there and you're right it's ones that yeah you play across the table roll some dice maybe have a beer or two while doing it but the thing is those relationships stick that's what i love going to conventions going to different areas meeting new people oh yeah, yeah you you just yeah you're home every time you go uh, go to these places. Exactly, exactly yeah. right, exactly right. So, so folks, good stuff coming up. We are going to be uh, we're going to be taking a, a little bit of a of another break here uh, for for another one of our sponsors. But we will be right back, and we're going to get going with uh, with with everything you need to know about Six Squared Studios. A public service announcement brought to you by Frag Factory 3D Printing. Many of us have thousands of dollars in miniatures, yet we play on flat tables with books and overturned Tupperware to act as our fantasy and sci-fi landscapes. We've all drooled over the tables we see in magazines lush with beautifully created terrain from all genres. The crew at Frag Factory 3D Printing want to wipe that drool from your chin and put it firmly on your friends and fellow gamers when they see your setup. Alien landscapes, desert wastelands, futuristic cities, fantasy outposts, elven forests, demonic stronghold, and so much more. Find out what you've been missing by checking us out on Facebook at Frag Factory 3D Printing or send us an email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com. Bring your own files or we will help you find what you've been searching for. Take your gaming to the next level with Frag Factory 3D Printing. We print life into your games. Tell them Grimdark Live sent you and your first hour of printing is free. Hey gang, in all seriousness, Get your terrain on the table and get it with Frag Factory 3D Printing. And remember, tell them Grimdark Live sent you and they'll give you one hour free. You can get them via email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com or their Facebook page, Frag Factory 3D Printing. Frag Factory 3D Printing. Printing life into your games. All right, gang, we are back, and we are going to get going here with uh, Six Squared Studios and our guest, uh, Kevin Jacoby, with us tonight. So, so folks, one more time, I guess, uh, rather than me rambling on, uh, we have an awesome returning guest with us, uh, a guest uh, making his second visit to Grimdark Live since being, uh, being with us last year um, for Armed Forces Day 2. Tonight, uh, joining us, uh, we have Kevin Jacoby of Six Squared Studios. Kevin, one more time after the last one more time, welcome back to Grimdark Live. Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate being here. Yep. And, and folks, as a reminder, uh, not only are we, are we going to be talking about uh, the awesome company that is Six Squared Studios, but Kevin will be discussing how to keep your gaming group together during this challenging times of, of COVID-19. I mean, Kevin, you're part of a gaming group. 
yeah. we're you know we, we're part of the, the grimdark uh, goon gaming group so uh but but six squared studios is once again supporting armed forces day tournament by offering prize support and swag for for our competitors um and as a side note um, and, and I, and I know that we kind of introduced it at the beginning of the show, but, uh, I still, I still, uh, want to talk a little bit more about your homebrew game. That's got me really, really interested. Um, okay. but I got to tell Boy. you something, uh, Kevin, uh, I still hear folks tell me after last year's armed forces day that your prize support from last year, the, the MDF, uh, combat dials specifically is their favorite. I mean, oh, I like them. Yeah, those. Yeah, I mean, those, those. Those are pretty cool. I love I, them. I actually, I love them. They're yeah, they're great to have instead of having random dice, errant dice all over the table. But I got. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. we don't have to give all the give away all the trade secrets. But I mean, are a lot of those a lot of the products offered by Six Squared Studios? I mean, those are those are handmade. I mean, those are you know those are they're they're made to order. I guess. Or am I right on that? Yeah, yeah. No, we design our, our stuff like we're gamers. So it's the idea we're playing a game and say, oh, this is a pain in the butt. I, I keep on smacking the die that's near the monster. What what die was his hit points? What what die did I just roll? So that's how like the wound counter starts. We just sure. wanted something that made sense. And we made it all the same material as our bases so that you can decorate the top so it doesn't look like crap on your table. You want to take a good picture? You can still have your wound counter there because right. it looks like the rest of your army. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of the things we always, yeah, we're nerds with aesthetic. That's, I guess, the way it works I, for it. I, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And, and and honestly, you know, Kevin, I'm not saying this because you're, you're here on the show tonight, but truly Six Squared Studios products um, are of awesome quality and craftsmanship. And, and you guys are just good people, plain and simple. I love wow. the fact that that uh, even on your, your, your homepage to your site, you talk about Kevin's two dogs, Darwin and Jack. I mean, that, that absolutely cracks me up. Um, you know, how do you maintain the quality of your products as, as you have over the years? I mean, uh, you know, d does the process con concern you with, I mean, if you're planning on expanding your business or is, I mean, cause it, it's such a, uh, there's such a pure and great product now. I mean, do you guys ever look at it and say, okay, the hardest part isn't generating this again and again, it's maintaining the, the quality. I mean, how do you guys, how do you guys maintain such quality products? Well, it, it is handmade in that. So, yeah, we're, we're a cottage industry. So uh, Brian and I make the, the stuff ourselves. So uh, Brad does a lot of our resin work uh, for us. So he, he handles that piece. I do a lot of the design when it comes to the MDF and that. But we're both collaborating back and forth. And we push ourselves. So I'll give him something. He'll tear it apart. He'll give me some <laughs> Apart because eventually it's it's positive though positive criticism sure. to evolve it we give it out to our buddies get them to tear it apart so that we try to get something that that we can be proud of that we don't have to worry about because when someone sends us uh, an order we're always grateful uh, but we always put a note in there saying thank you uh, if they're ordering certain types of bases we'll we'll toss them you know what game are you playing and uh, we, we we're interested in what you're doing like this is this is. We call it a hobby company because we both have our day jobs sort of thing. Right, right. Uh, it's one of those things where we have to make decisions because eventually it could be something that's full-time if we want it to be. And we have to make those choices and we'll figure that out as it goes along. But right now we're just interested in making new friends and, and we really enjoy the feedback and the conversations we have on social media. And a lot of our ideas and a lot of the suggestions are coming from the people that are buying our stuff and they're coming back. And that's what makes us feel good is the first order is amazing. Thank you so much. When you come back for your second, third, fourth order, that's humbling because that means that we've done something right for you. Yeah. Right. So, so I actually had a question for you. When you guys are doing your, when you're doing your design element um, for scaling, are you guys actually using 
different size models to do your scaling or are you just following yeah. a, a general standard? No, well, scale is a lot of it depending on the line and that sort of thing. So 28 mil doesn't mean 28 anymore for a lot of things. So Right, right, exactly. So yeah, so what we try to do, like for our models and that too, is we try to do relational. So what we have is based on what we're going to be using it for. Okay. So scaling of our terrain pieces, we're saying, okay, well, this is a sci-fi piece. We're going to be using it in our 40K games. So we'll use those models as proxies to try to figure out what the size of it should be. Uh, if we're doing fantasy, it might be the idea of, okay, let's take a look at it. This is kind of uh, frozen wastelanding, so it's maybe more frost gravy. So let's take a look at the model sizes there and make sure okay. it's Lord of the Rings is very because That yeah. group there, I love Lord of the Rings, the, the miniature game. Love but it. They're, the hardest people to to please because they're very it's almost like historical miniatures for these for these guys yeah. right right I, I, know, I, I know when you i know when you do like 15 millimeter scale and like napoleonics and things yeah. of that matter almost everything has to be to exact scales yeah. to, because of the movement and all that kind of thing and that's that's what brought the question about it's like i mean you can base an entire design on just one system of play but you want your stuff to be universal. So that's kind of where I was coming with it from with that question. Exactly. And we're moving away. So we are traditional sculptors and that sort of thing. So we do the proper pieces. And so when we're doing things for 15 mil or doing uh, multiple pieces for even 28 and that sort of thing, we'd have to sculpt over and over again. Okay. So what yeah. we're going to do is, well, we're trying to get away from that now, and we're switching over to using more of our resin printers so that we're able okay. to it down. Or if someone goes, hey, yeah, I really like I, I like those barrels, but they're just a little too big for uh, for my Lord of the Rings stuff. So, okay, well, what are you looking for? And they, they'll send us a picture of their model with uh, like a piece of paper beside, this is how big I want it. We can scale it for the guy or the girl. Uh, I, 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 love, I love that effect now with 3D printers and all that kind of stuff that yeah. you can easily just adjust scale on the fly, which is, you know, yeah. really nice to do. You know, and, and, and I love the fact that you guys will actually take the time to talk to Joe and Jane, you know, gamer, uh, you know, yeah. hey, I want I want a barrel that's that's this many millimeters high and wide and you guys will do that for them. That's amazing because I'll be honest with you, I I don't know a lot of other companies and I'm being honest with you that will actually do that. That's that's really going above and beyond for the customer. It's a hobby for us as well, though. Right. And the reason we're in this thing, I, is I like that attitude. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That was a yeah. great way to put it. Yeah, it, it, like I said, no, it's no harm, no foul. Those other companies, some of those companies, this is the, that's their bread and butter. They're making this widget. This is what we sell. Mm -hmm. Here's how, we do it, and they have to do it in volumes in order to sustain what they're doing. Yeah. We're fortunate because we're able to build this company organically uh, on the side because it, it, it comes from the idea that it supports our hobby. It supports maybe a little more now because of how we've been growing, mm -hmm. but we don't have to worry about some of the other pressures those other companies may have at this time. Sure. So we have that flexibility. Uh, it's not about us making the most money. It's us making the most sense on the gaming table. I like that one. And, and that, folks, uh, yeah. for, for what we're talking about here with Kevin Jacoby of Six Squared Studios, if you want to check out their website, go to sixsquaredstudios.ca. Again, that's sixsquaredstudios.ca. But Kevin, uh, Six Squared Studios just had its sixth anniversary, right? July yep. of 2014, you guys kicked this off, and, and, and here we are pacing through July again. So happy anniversary. 
Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, I can't believe it's over six years old now. So it's, it's just going to start school this year. Uh, <laughs> off to kindergarten. <laughs> off to kindergarten. Yeah, well, socially distant. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's almost ready to tie his own shoes. It's pretty good. That is yeah. great. I mean, you know, not, not to get too much into the weeds on this one, but, you know, running a business, especially a creative business such as yours, has to be rewarding. I mean, and challenging. I get it. It's still a business. Yeah. Um, and, and have you found you know, current pandemic aside, I guess the best, you know, way I want to put that, uh, is it still rewarding to you? I mean, do you, do you still find it gratifying even with kind of the, the, the havoc? Oh, hundred percent. I'm a serial entrepreneur. So like I have, like my day job is me, uh, running companies and I'm always looking for different ways of evolving that. Right. So this is just a nice progression. I love what we do. I love the hobby. I love the stuff. I'm always looking for the new game, the new it, the new model. So right. what we do here. It's just one thing. Okay, well, this is missing. Here's a niche that has to be filled, and we start working on it. Yeah. So uh, it's it's constantly following. I couldn't do like uh, my brother is uh, like uh, a team leader in that at a, a car facility. Okay, uh, he worked super hard, and especially when it was really hot, they worked in some hard uh, situations, especially having to wear masks right now. Oh gosh, I couldn't imagine that. Yeah, and they're doing the same thing over and over again. I would die in that situation. I so have so much respect for my brother. Yeah, for he, yeah, I. I can't do it. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. I, I couldn't do that at all. I mean, no. the, yeah. the heat and those masks, no way. Totally that, that, what they that, do. That's my brother, mechanic through and through. So he's yeah. been he's been doing this stuff day one. And yeah, I got mad respect for him and his skills and where he is. But I'm a lot like you, Kevin. I can't. I, I focus on projects, and I, I'm I'm a serial painter. That's what I do on the side, and that's what I've been doing as a business right now. Right. Uh, and I and. I can't paint the same thing over and over if I don't have to, you know, right. it's, it's one of those things. It's like, I like to jump around quite a lot and Pat knows this. He'll know I'll paint an entire army and then switch to another one on a whim yeah. <laughs> just because that's how I am. Yeah. We've actually had to send people over to his house for a wellness check because he doesn't answer his phone. He just sits there yeah, all day. painting. Yeah. 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 We don't know how much of the paint though. He's actually consumed though, Kevin, in all truthfulness. <laughs> Half you think my supply. Um, my supply. But but Kevin, you had uh, you had mentioned that Six Squared Studios owes a lot of its success to local gaming conventions, uh, yeah. with with many of them down and out due to the you know scare of COVID and social distancing issues. How has Six Squared Studios responded to that? I mean, oh yeah, it's, it's been hard. Like conventions, that sort of thing is it's not the idea that uh, we owe our success from the relationships we make there. Uh, if you actually start doing the math for about how many hours you're there, the travel and the extra expenses food if you stay overnight it's a couple of day convention right you're good if you break even uh, for a lot of those things but that's not the point we go there we go there to go and see the new tables those uh meet new people play some games ourselves mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to keep brad at the table because he always wants to run a game of whatever we're playing and he's a genius when it comes to doing like these uh scenarios he, he's very much a fluff guy when it comes to uh getting out uh, storylines. So they're yeah. really popular at the conventions, but that's what we go and do that. So yeah, we miss it a lot. By this time of year, we will have done about eight conventions and that's just wow. the local stuff. That's not counting Adepticon, uh, like Herner's pieces, anything like that. All these things, uh, we were excited because we were going, because we've been sponsoring Steve Herner's uh, conventions for uh, years now and we've never made it down there. And wow. we were so Hey, we're going to get down there and it didn't happen. I, I finally got to my first uh, Holy Havoc last year. Uh, my yeah. son and I finally went in October. I, I had signed up three or four times before and, and due to work or whatever else, real life, I couldn't make it. But I will say this, 
Steve Herner is one of the most stand-up, awesome people in the community. A fantastic oh, person. Uh, you know what? I it, it yeah. I I mean, he really he really is a staple in the community. Awesome guy. So yeah, I I, I forgot about that. I did know that you guys supported that that tournament too. See see, yeah. birds of a feather flock together, man. Good people hang out with with each other. That's that's a good I thing. I appreciate his creativity. Uh, his 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 armies always look amazing. He's he's oh. a, a very talented artist. His tables. But, yeah, but his tables tell stories, and yeah. that's important to me. Right. It's yeah, I want to see what's going on. I want to know what's going on. Sometimes he's a bit sadistic in some of his rule sets so I've read, but the, overall, though, <laughs> it's, it's freaking amazing. You are also, fighting the table for sure. A hundred percent, and I would enjoy that fight any day. Oh, and I know. I, there, there's nothing wrong with having to fight your table while fighting your opponent. Yeah, well, but it's, it's, it's a great yeah. time. And then Adepticon this year was just a heartbreaker because yeah, we also uh, support Garage Hammer, uh, another bunch of great guys, mm -hmm. Dave and Alex. Yeah. Uh, and this was going to be Alex's swan song for the Age of Sigmar team tournament, which was going to be akin to like a 40K team tournament. Like right. four. Yeah, they, they kind of modeled it right after what 40K had been doing years prior. 100%. We've been playing the doubles. My favorite way of doing the tournament is doubles because I'm not super competitive. Uh, I enjoy the fun part of it. We, we do well in tournaments, but... I, I don't like the one-on-one -on -one because sometimes it can get a little intense. And oh, I don't yeah, that. right. So I, if I have to play a one-on-one -on -one tournament, I want to lose my first game, so I'm over in the beer area uh, <laughs> for the lower tables. Kevin, That's I'll, I'll meet you over there, man. I'll meet you over there. <laughs> and, uh, we'll roll some dice and uh, get things done. But, yeah, so I love the doubles tournament. And then we actually had a full team up. We, we've been practicing our 1,000 points. Then it got canceled. And then we find out that, unfortunately, it's not going to just be postponed to next year. Uh, that due to his family circumstance, because he has an amazing family, yeah. that it's just not in the cards right now for him to postpone it to 2021. So yeah. whoever takes it over from him, which are huge shoes to fill, I hope they give that that team idea another chance. Yeah, well, I, I think I think all that's definitely in the cards for sure. And you know, Alex did it for 10 years and did it very well. And you know, and Alex is still going to be uh, around in the community. I'm sure we're going to see him chuck and dice somewhere. But but oh, you know. We as another topic uh, that we were going to be talking on, uh, and that's, you know, uh, one one that you actually brought up, Kevin, is, is how do we keep gaming groups together during this COVID pandemic? I mean, and, and I kind of thought I would just kind of interject that now since we're talking about the ending of Adepticon and so many other tournaments and, and losing that opportunity to get out with your buddies and, and chuck dice. I mean, it hasn't been easy. And, and yes, uh, we're, we are all, you know, in this together. I, I, I get all that. And it's, it, it's a, it's really a mixture of, in order to get out there with with you with your friends, right? I, I would say that it's kind of a mixture of understanding, responsibility, with with a pinch of patience and 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 and, and awareness. Um, you know, and and in, in like my gaming group, you know, the, the Grimdark gaming group, you know, uh, you can perse persevere through something like this as long as you kind of have that mutual understanding. I mean, is that something that that you have with your gaming group? And what are what have you guys done to, to make sure that you're not missing those opportunities to chuck dice? 100%. Well, our gaming group is quite diverse and that sort of thing. So we have a bunch of different ages of people and that sort of yeah. thing. So some people are just uh, like university age and we have some of the old guard like myself and that sort of thing. And, right. and people are reacting differently and different people have different circumstances at home. Like, uh, for example, that I have to be careful for myself because I'm essential service with my day job uh, for that because we were running things and actually we were producing hand sanitizer uh, uh -huh. in factory there so we kept them going straight through and tried to make sure our staff was safe uh trying to make sure that we got these products out to the frontline workers who were the heroes of or showed us what heroism is for these past six months uh for that but 
going home, I had to be careful because uh, I take care of my mom and she's, she's older and uh, I can't afford her getting sick. So we had to change things around the house to make sure we had protocols in place. Same thing with the gaming. So at the beginning, everything was shut down. So we had no gaming store to go to. I couldn't bring people in because I have oh. like uh, a big uh, center, uh, like uh, a place where we hold events in my warehouse in the office portion. So we would run tournaments for the local community there as well, or just right. pick up games on Fridays. All those were canceled because we couldn't have people in the building uh, for it to keep everyone safe. So we had to do some pivoting, figure out what we could do. Sure. Uh, and a lot of us, we switched over to VR. Uh, so I already had Oculus Quest uh, for it. I love cool. the thing. Yeah. Uh, All right. I, I, I bought one from one of my friends that couldn't afford it. And my other buddies were able to get it. And we went and used tabletop simulators to roll dice in that. So we had that feeling uh, to be able to get there, still roll the dice around while uh, we couldn't actually do it face to face. We tried to find other ways of keeping connected for it. Uh, we had a lot of uh, hobby nights, like paint nights over Zoom and Skype. Yeah. Uh, where we just toss things off, we throw a movie in the background on Netflix or whichever service we're all using, uh, and and paying away. So we try to keep that community sort of feel going uh, right. during the time. But uh, as things have now um, eased up and, and our our community in general is evolving uh, to the to the threats of what's going on, we've now been able to uh, build some small groups where we'd be able to have these things. Right. So. Summertime, we, we've, we've done some gaming outside. Uh, we now uh, have some areas where we can have a couple of people and, like I said, people that we have to respect uh, if we need to use masks mm -hmm. or, uh, or the social distancing to try to keep things straight. Sure. Simple things like, everyone, don't share your dice. Don't share the rulers, that sort of thing. Right. Little things like that, I'm sure we're fine because we were pretty right. lucky here in Niagara. Uh, we never had that many cases, but the thing is, you still want to respect that sort of idea, that protocol, especially for uh, some of the younger guys in uh, in our group. In that, is sometimes, uh, and I remember when I was younger, in that we were invincible. Yeah, ten foot tall and bulletproof, man. Yeah, yeah. So we, we tried to make sure that we respected uh, the older people or people that had older people or vulnerable people at their homes. Right. Uh, yeah. Making they were safe and it was good and we're evolving adapting and it's getting a little easier now and uh we survived we we kept those connections alive and uh, uh social media is great we're in a great time for being able to do things virtually if, even if you don't have like vr through skype zoom tabletop game simulator there's tons of ways to still roll those dice and have a feel of a game it's not yeah. the same but that's why we just mix it in with the hobby night so we can still see people's paint jobs yeah, we, we did, uh, in our group, uh, you know, we, we did almost the exact same thing, obviously minus the hobby, uh, you know, just because you, you don't want to be around me when I paint. Uh, I've always said, you know, I, 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 I paint like a one-armed drunk that just fell off a tilt-a-whirl, so wow. it's, pretty, it's pretty terrible. But um, but I will say that uh, we were lucky, you know, just just like just like you, Kevin. Our gaming group, uh, and Justin, you can attest to this, we're, we're, we're all goons, grimdark goons here, but... Uh, we've got a huge diversity of ages. I mean, I think we've got our youngest guy in the group is, is, is 18 and, and, and our oldest guy in the group is, is pushing, you know, 60. And yep. so, uh, we have a, we have a diversity, but you know, we were lucky that, you know, when, when, when everything was shut down, a lot of our guys kind of took the initiative. Uh, and they said, you know what, I've got kids at home. I've got elderly parents at home, so I'm not going to show up or I, or I may be immune compromised. Yeah. And and those things were all understandable. The the tough part was when we started gaming again, 
the masks and, and, and different things like that. Uh, I had some people that, you know, that game with us that aren't able as much as they want to, they can't, it's almost like a vicious circle because, uh, we have one guy that is in our gaming group. He can't come out and meet with us because, um, he's claustrophobic, like severely claustrophobic. So having that mask over his face, he can't, he can't do it. And so it, it's, it's like, even, even with the obligement of saying, okay, you can go out into the world and, and keep your social distance and stay with stay, you know, uh, within those distances with a mask on, they can't even do that. So it is still, there's still some things that we, there, there's still some intangibles there that you can't solve even, even in a gaming group. But yeah, you know, we're, we're all very conscientious, you know, like you said, don't, don't handle the dice, don't handle each other's dice. Don't grab each other's measuring sticks and, and, um, you know, use hand sanitizer, wash your hands, don't touch your face, all those kinds of things that, um, I think people need to be conscientious of because uh, I think this is a very serious uh, disease. Uh, if, is, if disease is the right word for it, but I, yeah. I think that uh, I think, but I think what it's done though, I guess, the, and, and we'll get into this here in a little bit later in the show is, but I think for me, it has definitely made me appreciate this hobby. If I ever thought that my appreciation for this hobby was was at a high level, uh, it's way up there now. Um, but yeah, I, we I all have to adapt. I mean, Justin, would you that. would you agree with that characterization? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, this hobby has, you know, to to take the nut out of the shell, has kept me sane. I mean, beginning of COVID, I lost my job because of uh, them shutting things down, and my company went out of business in general. Yeah. And I've been home since the beginning of this, taking care of a two now three year old, and without this hobby, I would be probably clinically insane right now. Well, no, so, so, so I have, I have a much deeper appreciation for the painting, the aspect, the lore, the whole nine yards. And I have a community behind me that supports me and, you know, they check in on me. They check in on all of us. We, we check in on the group in general right. we, through our phones, through our tech messages. We have a live text group that goes through that's got 15 members in it that all we're doing all day is shooting the shit so to speak yeah about the hobby and painting and you know why are you doing this why are you doing hey maybe you should try this or you know and and it's a great little thing that we have and it's you know without this hobby i don't know where i would be right now yeah i I think i think that's kind of the 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 cusp of it i mean you become more aware the guys in your you know the guys and girls and because as we got we have believe it or not we have girls in our group too uh they they become more conscientious of everything so yeah i think i think people just need to be more self-aware and then inadvertently you you become more tribal you become more aware of your tribe you know how you know how are how is so and so doing where is so and so you're checking up on people so in, in a way it's it's brought out a lot of good things um and i think that's how any group survives no matter what the situation is really well the thing is, depression is real anxiety is mm-hmm. real it has to be treated that way so checking in on your friends making sure they feel engaged because isolation could be devastating on, on a lot of people yeah. it'll change the chemistry of what's going on in your mind and that sort of thing right. and, and just as getting the flu or getting COVID, you have to worry about that. And that's what shows what's so great about our hobby. It's a social event. Right. Every time it's a contract there. So looking out after the people, people that may not be able to come out, still engage and figure out a way to right. engage them so they still feel part of the community. Uh, we've been a longtime sponsor for, for uh, Garage Hammer, uh, the boys. You know those guys. Yeah. They're from the same area as you. 
uh, for that. So what I want to make sure at the beginning of all this stuff is uh, they use Patreon. So what Brian and I decided to do, so you know what, like, let's do something to make sure they realize they're part of a community. So we end up making up special tokens, uh, Nurgle-based, of course. Sure, uh, right. Send out to everyone. So we had these special objective tokens that they could use in whatever game they want. So one of the tokens was toilet paper. Uh, one was hand sanitizer, bottled water. And then, of course, uh, the main one was the Nurgle, just saying, well played, Nurgle, well played. Right. Just, <laughs> yeah. I we, love it. It's awesome. We never advertised it or anything like that. All of a sudden, people just got these things in their mail. And it was one of those things where we just got so many people writing us heartfelt letters and that just saying you know what i was really down in the dumps and that sort of thing and all of a sudden just getting this just real i realized now that we're going to all get through this and eventually we'll be able to have another beer at adepticon yeah beer at a gen yeah. con yeah, we... or whatever convention it is is that it just reminded them they're part of a community we are and that's what we, we are do. definitely that's what they're awesome yeah we're, we're, we're all in this together but you know <laughs> switching gears a little bit i mean this this COVID thing, you know, really kind of goes across all gambits, right? I mean, and there, there's a lot of challenges presented to any business, as, I mean, as well as any group, but but going back to the business yeah. side of it, and sadly, a lot of companies have been hit hard uh, with, with this pandemic, you know, casting aside the obvious. Um, you know, I know that Six Squared Studios has managed to really kind of cut through the, the this COVID mess that we kind of already, already addressed, but how, are there many of the same restrictions yeah. and orders in Canada that there are here in, in the States? Uh, yeah, we, we had quite a few restrictions and that sort of thing. So, um, we have, uh, the restrictions came from three levels. So in Canada, you have your regional government, provincial, and then your federal government. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that, and they're different alignments and I don't really belong to any particular party. I believe in, in good people. I want to hear what the message is and I'll right. support a message. Yep. But I have to say that everyone, uh, of our levels of government really stepped up to the plate and they did very well. Uh, they made some hard choices about the idea of restrictions, but they also figured out ways of helping those people. So right. like uh, I'm in Niagara Falls, so obviously it's a lot of it's tourism, a lot to do with restaurants, that sort of thing. So they came up with plans right away to make sure people had money to pay their rent. Uh, they could feed themselves. They could be safe. They could be secure. They never had an extra thing to worry about besides uh, getting sick. Right. So we were really good there. And our isolation worked. Uh, our numbers went down pretty quick. Uh, and we were able to do things in stage where things opened up. So the first stage in that, uh, stores that weren't in malls were able to open up. So okay. uh, my buddy who had the, uh, the game store in that, uh, since he had a, a door that went to the outside, he was able to have people come and do pick things up. Couldn't play games there yet. Sure. Uh, because, uh, but he could at least now have that thing. So having to hustle around and drop things off people's porches, right. Right. uh, second stage, uh, people were allowed in, in the store. And now we're in third stage now where we're able to have smaller groups and that sort of together, still social distancing and masks, but now we can play games again. We're seeing people that may have been on the fringe of, of the group or, or people you'd recognize at the right. store, but are necessarily part of your gaming group. Mm -hmm. uh, we're seeing them again. And that's, that's really positive. And hopefully we get to the next stage where we can loosen up a little more and get to the point where we can have uh, larger groups for, mm -hmm. um, before that like Good. it's hard like uh like mental illness and that is something that we have to address and not stigmatize and that no, sort of you're, thing. you're absolutely right i uh you know i i deal a lot um with uh with veteran affairs and and, and i yeah. will out with the ptsd and i lost a, a dear friend of mine uh that uh yeah. that that committed suicide so i mean i understand what that's all about so um but but how about this Let, let's 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 
let's let's pick it up a little bit more of more of a uh, of a, of a happier topic. So, right. going back to Six Squared Studios. So, yeah. what is the best selling item Six Squared Studios has to offer? I mean, what what are you guys you know like like everybody like like if you talk to a franchisee at McDonald's, they say no doubt about it, we sell more cokes than anything else, ten to one. Yeah. What is your best selling item at Six Squared Studios? We sell a ton of bases here. Right. Uh, so because our MDF, uh, we make all the sizes, we'll make custom sizes. So a lot of the historical boys and that, when they're switching rules, we'll make up the bases, make conversions for people. Uh, that That's, if, if anything was our bread and butter, it's, it's the bases. Mm-hmm. Also too, because of being MDF, but our MDF isn't uh, like the sandwich board layering piece. You can actually sculpt into ours. We use them sometimes oh. for our archers when we're building uh, our uh, epoxy models and that sort of thing. So people okay. can can really uh, make them what they want them to be. Uh, non-based stuff, we do a lot with our uh, our, our paint uh, supply things. So like our racks go really well. All our resin terrain kits. We, we are we're profitizing about the idea of scatter terrain that you want the place to, it's not just a building and a car on your table if you're playing something modern. You have to have trash cans. You have to have all these little bits. Chunks of, of a wall and a garbage can oh. and all that. Which is, exactly. I, as, I, as I said to you before we went on the air, you are the reason I fell in love with Scatter Terrain. Honestly, man, you're, you're a company right there. But I, I got to tell you one thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to point this out to everyone that's, that's, that's watching the show right now. Hmm. Your fantasy figures. Yeah. This is really cool. Now, uh, the last time you, you were on the show back on April of 2019, was, yeah. was Six Squared Studios offering models? I don't seem to remember it at that time. Yeah, this yeah. is new. This is this is new. So what we've done is uh, we found some artists now. So we're not sculpting the models ourselves. I, I don't want to take credit for that. We have some very talented artists, and like if you go to our, our webpage and look at them, the artists uh, the artists are are, um, are on there. So okay. Duncan and that sort of thing. We give them full credit for full kudos. We we do cool stuff, and we're proud of being able to bring stuff on onto it. But we're able to take their lines, bring them in here, and now adapt them for like crossroads, for example. Okay. Uh, for that but no well we we've been doing terrain that so we were adapting last year uh we started really adapting uh using uh filament printers 3d printers for for our terrain pieces we were just starting to dabble into that uh and then last fall i believe it was is where we started getting to we upgraded into resin printers so the liquid resin uh so that we actually can get some really nice quality um some models and now we're going to the next step where we we're we are exploring some technology that allows us to take those models create molds and actually do plastics here on small print runs so that's that what cool that, that's where our next step is uh there's there's always a constant evolution and again we're, we're fortunate that we have our, our day job so we can invest what we we earn in the company and put it back into the hobby put it back into the company so we're constantly having new ways of being able to make cool stuff for the people that support us well it's it's it's, it's absolutely absolutely paying off and i gotta tell you um i need to get my hands on a couple of those paint racks too you know i'll, I'll be ordering those for sure um, my, my current paint collection looks like it was organized by my sister's kids i mean it's really in bad shape uh, <laughs> But um, so so while, while we're kind of wrapping up our discussion here on, on this awesome company, Six Squared Studios, with our awesome guest, Kevin Jacoby, let's go back to what we started to talk about that I kind of I bum-rushed you on earlier. What's that? 
the homebrew game system you guys are going to be rolling out at, at, at conventions. I want to hear about this one more time because I, 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 this right here, between this, oh, and by the way, the, my, my, my personal favorite miniature you guys have is the Minotaur Thug. I got to get my hands on that one, too. Yeah. I, knew, I knew you were going to that. I could have I could have called that one on you, yeah. Pat. I, I got I to, hey, you know what, Kevin, I got to ask you a question. Any chance you guys could make a nobbler? Because I'd buy the hell out of that thing. Oh, you? I'm oh. pretty sure we could do that. And, and, and I'd, like to, I'd like to say one thing right now. I personally think that that would you 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 could pl- you could put those things in gold or platinum they would sell that well if you just if you just did nobblers truly we we, we have some nobbler base we have a backlog of hundreds of miniatures that we uh haven't even put onto the website yet cool. there are so many pieces in that sort of thing uh that are going on am like, i hearing nobblers or in the future well yeah there are some things that we would uh have no problem calling a nobbler i think you'll be very happy with some of the pieces coming out there all right, uh, I'm, I'm I'm in, but for, but for sure the the one I saw up there, my my current personal favorite is is the Minotaur Thug, but they're all awesome, and uh, yeah. but but yeah, so so let's let's go back to this. I mean, the homebrew game system one more time. Let us let us all hear a little bit about it. All right. So it's it's cross the game's called Crossroads. So what the idea is is we want to have something that's going to be agnostic towards our our, our miniature cooks. We have these piles of miniatures. Uh, some of our buddies might play Sigmar, but then others don't. But how can we use those models with the other people in that and have a system that works? Right. So I, I'm old enough in that sort of thing where I remember games like uh, uh, Rifts and, and that for the role-playing games, which yeah. had yep. hodgepodge yep. things. Uh, I, I love comic books. I love Marvel comics. That's oh, like, yeah. it's like Secret Wars, bringing things together and that sort of thing. So we started talking about it and figure out, all right, what's the base of it? So what's what makes a Noblar? All right, well, Noblar probably has uh if you were talking about essences of the universe a nobbler might be something that is uh has essences of the combined earth uh energies with with water energies to make this 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 creepy swampy sort of little uh hunchback dwarf type mm-hmm. thing yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the whole thing is like just breaking things down to their essences so it's like putting these different uh, these like magic mana sort of concept. Yeah, right. In the miniature realm. And that's what that's how we're working on so that people can build whatever they want by being their they make up almost like a role playing character, this this elder of the universe esque sort of thing that if you're thinking about Marvel or oh, yeah. or like you said, like there's many different types of things. There's lots sure. of different types sure. of addiction. Bring these things forward, but then you say, okay, well, I'm going to go and invade this reality, and I'm going to be taking these essences to build uh, the battle bears that are on our, our site, right? Uh, sort of thing. And then these creatures, they have a backstory to because I need to always have a backstory. I need that fluff in the game, sure. And you're able to use them so that you draw them out into the game, and these are your avatars to play this hex-based chess-like sort of uh, sort of game you're old enough to remember the old pc game called the archon do you remember that one Heck yeah yeah i do All right. yeah, wow. strange creep oh, yeah. a chess board but then opens up into a bigger battle board i do remember yes same sort of idea what these hexes represent so it's the idea that you're just trying bravo, to have a- man bravo that All that's right. I, i'm in i'm absolutely in so kevin we, we we're gonna stay in touch on this one man I, i'm 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 i gotta be into this thing a thousand percent well, Brad's doing some amazing work and that sort of thing. So I came up with the, the, the fluff story. I said, this is what we want to do, Brad. This thing that he goes, okay, so that means this is this is the mechanic we're going to use. Cool. And we play around with that. So uh, he's amazing at that stuff. Uh, 
together we we have that synergy to get those things done it's going to be a quality style dice because again we grew up on D sort of things so you have the powerful godlike beings rolling d20s so oh, yeah kind of things and then you have your little novel or maybe a d4 minus two uh we have those opportunities here for us to be able to have this this breadth of ability and all tricks up their sleeves as well yeah uh, to be able to do the missions and do the objectives but being a hex-based board is whatever model you want you no know, however base even what scale it is doesn't matter because it's a representation of what's going on in that little sure. area yeah yeah uh, you know what, Kevin, your enthusiasm, your imagination, man. I, I'm so excited to see where Six Squared Studios, and I'm so excited to see where it all goes, man. I'm just so happy to, to get to know you and, and get to know this company and, and help promote it. I, what, what, a, what a great operation you guys have. Bravo, man. Oh, no worries. Well, I'm very happy to be uh, coming on the second year in that. Uh, Brian and I are really glad to do this sponsorship. And you were talking about the raffle that you're doing, which sounds really amazing to yeah. be your funds and that sort of thing so i don't know if you've been following this on facebook and that sort of thing so my, my big project right now besides the little side ones we're doing for some of our clients is i'm building uh an mdf castle kit uh so i've already done the walls uh so this is this is big this 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 castle so okay. it's 300 millimeters across it's 80 millimeters wide so you can actually put ballistas or catapults on top we have the, the gates open and close uh, the last piece I have to write, write down do are, are the, um, the towers in the corner. So to help raise money for this raffle uh, or people, whatever way you were able to do that, I'm going to donate one of our uh, the castle kits there. Then we'll pay for the potion to get down to whoever it is. Uh, and we'll add that in to help raise some more money for those folks down there. Oh, wow. Kevin, thank you so much. Oh. Thank you for what you guys are doing. Yeah, the, that is, that's absolutely huge. Thank you man. so much. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm, you know what, uh, Justin? He shut me up, man. I'm speechless. Well, I'm surprised that you didn't backlash at him for taking two shots at your Noblars, but that's okay. <laughs> he's, 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 com because, he's completely because it, forgiven. Because if, because if uh, I did that, you'd tear my head off. Yeah, well, you know what? You don't, you, you know, you're not donating a castle, you bastard. He can say whatever he wants. You know, Kevin, I agree with you. Nobblers are bastards. I, I agree. <laughs> you heard it. You heard it. <laughs> uh, I got Kevin. I got to tell you, man. Thank you so much. Your generosity. Your kind. Thank you. I, 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 I will. Once I, once I get my my words together, I will thank you properly. But thank you so much. Wow. No, thank you for what you're wow. doing. Like, it's showing gamers care out there. You guys are putting together a tournament. You're gonna have a great time, obviously. Oh yeah. I, I wish I wish you could be there, man. That would be that well, would be awesome. Just That's from the dimensions you're giving on that castle, and I've and I've picked up a lot of MDF castles and a lot of like wooden castles when they were back when the siege rules were were a thing. Those dimensions alone, allowing you to put a full rank and file of just troops on a wall plus a ballista, which you couldn't ever do before makes that uh, i'm speechless i'm almost speechless on that yeah well, to be honest i hate mdf uh buildings to the, for the most part because again i need something that looks cool on the table so a lot of times mdf doesn't have that organic feel and right interesting really, okay and, it, so, and the great thing about our mdf again you can hack away at it to get the uh, the edges and that sort of thing because it's 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 detailed it has the bricks and that sort of thing it has relief coming out so it gives you that so painting up it doesn't look bad 
when I do up my, my personal one, I'm going to be hacking away at that to get rid of some of those straight lines. But this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, could, I could throw a little ploy in there because I actually do like MDF buildings for the primary fact that it's a smooth surface enough to where green stuff and texture rollers yeah. work really well on it. And you don't mess up the jointing on it to where you're like, okay, how do I get this put together now that I've added a texture pattern or glued you know wood straps to it or something of that matter to make it look like you know it's cobbled together and things of that matter so right. yeah i i like i like the, the the basic plain suit of it because i can you know throw i can throw green stuff on top of there and then just put a texture roller across it and hey there's my cobblestone wall right you know yeah. All right, well, uh, well, guys, great stuff. I, I, I would love to, you know, talk about this, but we, we're going to be, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we are going to be right back more with, uh, with, with Kevin Jacoby. We're going to be talking about the General's Handbook 2020 and Match Play. But Kevin, uh, before we break again, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, glad to be part of generosity. No worries at all. Yep. All right, folks, we'll be right back. Hey gang, I wanted to take a break in today's show to introduce one of our sponsors and a great store for all of your hobby needs. That's GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Open seven days a week, 12 to 12. GameStorm Gaming has got you covered for all of your hobby and gaming needs. They got Magic the Gathering, War Machine, X-Wing, Game of Thrones, Force of Will card game, PC gaming and repair, Warhammer 40K, and Age of Sigmar, and a ton more. Grab paints, brushes, cases, dice, and a lot more at GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Stop in and see John and the gang there at GameStorm Gaming, located at 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, or check them out on their website at GameStormGaming.com. Again, that's www.GameStormGaming.com. They also stay open past midnight for special cases and events, so get over there and get your nerd on with GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois. 630-243-9330. Again, that's GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois. GameStorm Gaming is a proud sponsor of Grimdark Live. We hope to see you there. All right, gang. We are back, and we are going to be getting into now the uh, the matched play here with uh, with with Kevin uh, uh, Jacoby, and we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, kind of what kind of what's been going on with the General's Handbook 2020. Uh, and Kevin, you got your book there with you, right? I have it right here. All right, we are going to get rolling yep. on this thing. So. Obviously, you know, everybody knows uh, the new book is out. and But but what I wanted to, um, I guess what I wanted to do, I, I, I want to jump into something here if I can. Um, before we actually get into match play, and it does kind of kind of, kind of play into this here a little bit, uh, I came across this pick on the boards that I wanted to show everyone. I don't know if you can see this up here now, but um, and I, I, I've got speculation where this came from, so I don't want to mention it, but uh, I, I'm, I've been told that it came from a pretty reputable spot. Um, and basically, uh, you know, Kevin, I don't know if you've seen this before. This is kind of the, the, the current rankings they're saying of each army, you know, obviously the, the, the holy shit category means it's, uh, these guys are, are pretty brutal. And then you've got your A, B, C, D and, and F, uh, mm. categories. And, right. um, you know, here, I'd be interested to see the stats, uh, that made this, I mean, at, 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 you know, have all the factions, 
uh, played the same number of games against the same opponents on, on the same battle plans. You know, proper stats like you were just saying, Kevin. Math, basic math. Um, uh, a couple of yeah, things. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. There's there's some of them that are kind yeah. of out of place there. I, and, and Kevin, you got a pretty good pretty good feel for for the, the Age of Sigmar fantasy armies, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I have quite a few of them. Okay, good. So a couple of things that stand out to me, you know, Realm Lords uh, are, are more of a gatekeeper in, in my experience. I mean, you've got the Lumineth Realm Lords right now. Justin, I know this is your army, uh, but I don't know that I would nef- necessarily put them up here in the in, in the holy shit category to me. I don't know if I would do that. Um, I'm also not seeing uh, Slaves of Darkness, uh, which is here in the A category. I'm not seeing them as an A, especially a, a lot of the nerfs that have happened to them pretty much since they came out. Mm-hmm. Um and, and to make this more accurate for today, uh, besides what we mentioned, uh, Realm Lords and Skaven, I think if we were to have to do this, I think they should come down too. I think Maggotkin, Daughters, and Idnith Deepkin up a spot or two. This is just me, and I got this right before the show. Uh, right. You know, and and I, Ken, I forgot to send it to you, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of ambushing you with this one. But, I mean, what uh, – you guys, any, any – I mean, we got the General's Handbook that's been out for roughly a month, less than that, and we already have this now that somebody had already put together. Um Right. Beastman being down at F, I really don't agree with. Uh, but but let's uh, let's talk about this briefly before we get into the uh, the, the match play. Thoughts? Well, in the, the holy shit category, I mean, I would probably put Lumineth Realm Lords there still, just because they are the new the new bread and butter army out, and they are very overpowered. I, I'm I'm sorry, but I've gone back and revised that they are very overpowered. Okay. If played if played correctly, they are just going to mop people off the well, board. I think that's but any army that played correctly. They're going to knock them right out, though, too. So it's one of yeah. the ones, if you know you're going against them, you can build an army to beat them. Yeah. Right. That's the problem. This, if, if you're just basing it solely off of what you're seeing here, it's not based off of your knowing you're going against them. It's a random draw. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's that, you know, that's where I'm saying that they're probably in the right spot. The Keratin Overlords, I think they're a little high. I mean, they're still... Yeah, their boats came down in points. Okay, but they still don't have the rules to support their firepower. Right. So they're probably in the B category, in my opinion. Okay. Just, so, Kevin, you know, what, are, what are your thoughts? You know, two cents in a tin can on this kind of seeing this for the first time. Well, um, I, I'm not seeing. I'm just hearing what you guys are telling me about. I don't have it on my screen here. Okay. Uh, but what what I think a lot of people get confused for the stuff is is they look at it and say, okay, my guy can beat up my guy can beat up your dad. And I don't think that's the way the uh, match play works. I think match play is about objectives. It's about the idea of border control. It's about the idea of flexibility and movement. Uh, Lumineth, they're going to have some things where you go against them and it's like, okay, well, we'll go, we'll go drink now because it's going to be over in turn two. Right. Whereas they're not, but they're not a five out of five army because there's a no. lot of rock paper scissors for those guys. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, a lot, it's, a lot it's, of things have to go right for them to win. Exactly, but, and the, but, in the, but again, that also falls in the hands of the the objective or the mission, yep. and the tactical know how of the of the general that's behind them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, so so I just wanted to throw that up there just to kind of throw a wrench in, in our conversation, like I normally do. Uh, but but here we go, folks. Let, let's get into the match play, Age of Sigmar, General's Handbook 2020. 
So um, we're going to be rounding out our our uh, few weeks here that we've been reviewing the General's Handbook since it came out with, uh, with, with pretty much we're going to be ending where everyone else started. And the reason why we chose to do that on tonight's show is because we wanted to get a lot of experience with our war meets and some games in to really competently talk about match play. I think the other ones were, were more suited to just give an opinion on, but I really wanted to get down uh, with the match play here after some experience. Um, so here we go. So... Uh, we're already sure uh, and we're positive um, that, that you all have experience, like, like we do with the General's Handbook 2020 and the match play. Yeah. And as, since uh, its release, I'm sure that you've had many games yourself. So, so here we go. Overall, I'm going to say this right now. Uh, this book has definitely been designed to, to, to stamp on some of the more overpowered aspects of the tournament play, as well as, as make the, the battle plans more, I would say, interesting and fun. Um, and, and I think you guys are going to agree with this, but, but as already seen here on, or or maybe remember this, um, I should have said on Grimdark Live previously, uh, we did speak on the points changes, uh, the narrative and open play changes and some of the new pitched battle plans and rules, uh, for, for playing, you know, say in doubles events. So when we wrap this up, I kind of want to keep this more of like a, a thoughts and opinion. We're an opinion show. So here we go, gang. Uh, this is. I guess, I guess let me sidebar here, too. This is a very exciting time to be an Age of Sigmar player. I mean, this General's Handbook is in many ways already reset the meta. Uh, it, it has oh, made... in a big way. Yeah, it, it, is, way. it has made Dude. armies that were previously overpowered suddenly rise to the top and making the, the current winners reevaluate their, their, their stance in the community. And I do. I like the... I'm calling this the reset uh, book. This is the reset nature of this version of the General's Handbook 2020 is what I really love. So... Let's let's start with the tip of the iceberg here. Let's look at the changes that we know to match play. Um, let's look at the one that caused ripples through the entire community the day that it was leaked two weeks before the book ever came out, and that was negating wounds. So mm-hmm. the, the short story of this one is you cannot make more than one dice roll, excluding re-rolls. That's why the witch elves still have their, you know, the daughters of Cain still have their, their again and again. Uh, but you can't make any more than one dice roll to negate wounds or mortal wounds uh, that has been allocated to a model. And mm-hmm. and I'm going to throw it out there to you, Kevin, after I kind of say this, and then, Justin, I want to hear what you got to say. I mean, this is in itself, it gets rid of the situation where units could have multiple attempts to feel no pain. Uh, and, it, and at first, it was a little, I, I was a little miffed, to be honest, uh, about this, because it took away from armies like Slaves of Darkness, but I also think it leveled the playing field for other armies like OBR and Zeech. So all in all, I think it's a welcome change. Sir? Uh, floor's yours. What do, what do you think about this this particular change? I'm all for it. Uh, I, I really appreciate the change because, again, a lot of time we're dealing with is we're dealing with the idea of what's slowing us down. Uh, die rolls are fantastic, but if you constantly are rolling three or four sets of dice for each transaction on the table, it slows it down and takes you out of the story about what's going on in the game. That's a great point. I like I like the, the, the flow of the game that you just brought up. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I have no problem with that. I, I think it does. Uh nerf some of the other uh, armies but again it's one of those things where i don't want to have to spin the thing we're not playing bingo waiting for balls to drop we want to have something where you have the die roll it's either a yes or no let's move on to the next part of the action sure yeah all right so it's the whole flip a coin thing it's either it lands on your favor or it doesn't i mean is, and, that, is that how you feel about it justin yeah i mean i it's just, i'm i agree with him completely yeah. i i've never been a big fan of where you have one big monster on the table that has 15 saves it's like, okay, oh, great. well, well I, okay, I make my primary save on half of these, then I roll and see if I make a, a, 
uh, a mortal wound save, and then I roll again to see if I have a death save, and I roll again to see if that death save is re-rolled, and I roll again for for because I have this artifact, and I roll again because I have this weapon or or this yeah. hero or this hero standing next to me. By by the time you're done rolling, and you you know thirty wounds becomes one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what was the point? Yeah, and Kevin, I like the way you put that, man. The the, the time of the game. I mean, you know, uh, that that was it's a very logical way to look at it. Um, I think for me, I, like I said before, I was kind of miffed because a lot of armies depended on the 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 multiple stacking saves, i.e., slaves of darkness. You know, when, yeah. when you took their ability away with the war shrine, you know, off of their 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 shields that gave them mortal wound save. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think the compounding effect of that, you know, hurt them. But I also think it did. It 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 made armies. Like say Zeech and other armies that were that were you know, you know kind of uh, kind of meta monsters is the best way to put it. Uh, I kind of I think it leveled it out. So overall, I think it's a good thing. Um, so yeah, I do like that. What about let, let's talk about this next one? Um, and and if I'm if I'm bouncing around a little bit too much here, guys, just tell me to to slow down and or, or stop it completely. But how about setup? Now this one I thought was interesting, and I'm bringing this one up because this one really flew under the radar, even with myself. So. Now, with setup, now the, the dice roll determines who is essentially player A, like literally player A, or player B with player A setting up all of the terrain and deciding which rules the terrain has, whereas now player B then decides which side of the battlefield territory will be theirs, and player A starts deployment first. This was a really interesting change that I can tell you right now. Nobody paid attention to, <laughs> and, no, and, and I can they, say that this has gone completely unnoticed by myself. So, um, and also, uh, and Kevin, I'm going to pitch the ball back to you. So, uh, yeah. faction terrain. This is another one I want to I want to point out before I forget. Uh, yeah. Faction terrain has also changed. You know, previously it could only be set up more than six inches from the edge of the battlefield, six inches from other terrain, and three inches from any objectives. Uh, right. Now that's changed to three inches from from any terrain feature and one inch, I believe, from from objectives. Yeah, I think it's one, one inch from objectives. One inch from objectives. Um, Kevin, balls to you, man. Table setup. What do you, what do you think about this one? All right, table setup. We already did this in our group anyway because we have people that loved, loved, loved. Okay, so Brad wants to make the the table up. He'll do the table, then I get to choose a side. So it's not the idea that he's trying to do something where he's being sneaky and putting it over. Uh, over to it. It's the idea that he wants the, the table to look like, here's somewhere we would fight a battle over. And then I choose, okay, well, I'm coming in from this side here. We're a big thing about the scenery table. Choosing the, the scenery feature, we normally randomize it uh, for it. Uh, so we'll roll the dice and toss out our, our, our tokens on top of them. Sure. Uh, I think it adds another layer to what's going on. I like right. how they sort of, they've, they've sort of streamlined it a bit more, though, so you don't have as much to remember. Because I think a lot of these changes here are to give a little bit of confidence to the newer player. Because a lot of people don't necessarily have the same self-esteem levels as maybe we have or whatever the case is. Okay. Where they're going to hold back or they're going to constantly be looking at their cards or looking in their books and slowing things down even further because they're just afraid of making a mistake. Having these things a little streamlined more. So here's the order of play. Here's how we're going to put it together. Uh, Boom, boom, boom. It gives them a little less to worry about, so they can concentrate on the tactics. So I like it. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do like that one too. I mean, Justin, what say you, bud? Oh, I, I agree with parts of it. I mean, I agree with the idea that now that you know you have some way of making terrain actually feel like it's part of the table, and it's it's a little more organized in terms of keeping track of it. 
where beforehand you just you didn't have that, so you just kind of ignored it. You you didn't think it, the terrain was was really you didn't think that it, it made ter- before the terrain didn't feel like it was part of the the game. Not really, because nine times out of ten, most games didn't use the terrain rules at all. They just well, they used they used them as cover or something stupid, and it wasn't it wasn't really thought of because you constantly would have to flip through like six pages of a book to find it and go back and forth, and it was slow. Yeah, you know, and I I think that that plays back to what Kevin said earlier, though, as far as you know, speeding the right. game up and and uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna no, try the thing to... I the thing I don't agree with about it is giving all the control of the terrain to one play to player A. I don't. I never liked that S. I don't like the aspect of giving one player more power than another, especially when it comes into setup of a battlefield. You know, you know why I do like it uh, is because if you think about standard, well, I mean, not not that everyone needs to have experience or think about standard warfare, but in, in a real war situation, almost all the time you have somebody that is the attacker, somebody that's the defender. The defender generally has the lay of the land. They understand where things are. Uh, right. Look at look at any 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 famous battle that that has ever occurred. That this has been the the underlining situation between the attacker and defender. And I think well, what, well, what that's, this that's, true. that's very true. But that's I think very... what this tries to do here with this is by by that dice roll, by that initiative dice roll. If say your your player A, well, in a sense, that's your town, your village, your city that that person is coming in attacking. So you you would set that up. I I, I kind of like it. I I I mean. I mean, I, in in that sense, I agree with you. I mean, yeah. yeah, I would see that. But I also kind of look at usually the person that wins the initiative role or something of that matter is usually the one that's got, you know, the advantage. Even in that respect, you still have an advantage. Yeah. Because, you know, it's you're you're determining where the terrain's actually placed on the field. You're determining what, you know, what that terrain does. But again, I think I think Grant, that advantage Grant, plays granted, into it's the... random. It is random because you're rolling a dice for it. But, you know, yeah. But I think you know, I think the I think the advantage plays into the idea of somebody being the the, the home turf. I mean, Kevin, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I think it takes away from the rounds because when you have the thing where it's okay, I have three pieces put down, you know, three pieces put down, you put those things through, and then also you have this hodgepodge. So now you have this ruin next to uh, this bridge next to this forest, that sort of thing. And again, I'm a I'm a storyteller when we have our tables that sort of thing because I'm a train guy. So I want if someone has idea where. We shall meet them in the fields of Pelennor. So they're building that to set up here. Yeah. But the person then says, okay, well, you set the thing up, but now I get to choose which way I enter the battlefield. I think that balances things out for the idea of power. Right. I don't think you can be much of a jerk about the idea of, well, ha, I have a trick here so that you don't realize this is going to be advantage to my army. I think it's, it's real, especially with some of the sizes of the terrain for specific armies. Like, you look at the ziggurat. You look at the freaking uh, ones for the, the goblins. Like, these things are huge. Yeah, don't, you know, that, that, that reminds me. Start, don't even get me started on that, that ziggurat. That reminds me something, Kevin. You brought up a great point there. You know, with, with, these, with these changes to uh, the, the setup and the layout, I, I'd imagine this would also help larger terrain pieces, like you were saying, like the bone tithe nexus or, or even, yeah. you know, uh, blocking terrain like the Fessalent Naramaw and, and those kinds of things. I, you know, yeah. you know, because I, I, again, it goes back to you know faction terrain. You know, with with the changes there. I mean, like like we were saying with with the way that your opponents got to set up the tables first, and then the, with the changes to the to the to the um, the faction specific terrain, being that it has to be you know three inches from any other terrain feature and one inch from any other objectives. I think this is going to take 
those uh, th those those larger terrain pieces or those more cockamamie terrain pieces, like like obviously being large ones, like like I said before, the uh, the bone tie, the nexus, or the fessalin narrowmaw. And I think yeah. it, I think it, this this also helps those type of pieces as well. I would think. Sure, it does. It gives you a little bit, a little, a little more flexibility in that. Or even think about the idea of uh, like wildwoods and that sort of thing. Those are pretty hard to put down properly. Yeah. Uh, or, or even your boats for the thing. Like some of them are, are easy. Like you have the pizza oven for for the dwarves. Like that. <laughs> yeah. It's a small thing. Or even the herdstone and that. Those are small things. And they're very uh, much uh, keyed into your deployment area. Gotcha. So yeah. But those bigger ones, like, you know, like even the normal that sort of thing, where you need it down, uh, or the uh, the maw pots uh, for the ogres and that sort of thing, right. it gives you the ability to put those things down because you don't want someone being tricky saying, okay, well, I don't have any terrain or my terrain's small, so I'll make sure I do the terrain up so there's no – I can kind of uh, build the lane of where you have to put your piece. Right, right. All we right. never do that. We always say, if you have a piece that's going on there, we have to adapt the train accordingly for that because that's not fair. You brought a toy okay. to play with. I'm not going to screw you over so you can't play with your toy. And, and that's and that's the reason the ziggurat kind of messes me up and mess, and makes me think, okay, one person power because ziggurat goes down before anything. Yeah. And yeah. then you have no choice as to if it's going to – you have a 50-50 chance if it's going to be in your deployment zone at all. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's one of those pieces compared to everything else – that you really have no you have no control over it. It's like you drop it on your side and hope that it's going to be your side, or you drop it in the middle of the table and hope that your opponent doesn't bury it, especially if they get the terrain roll. Right. You know, well, the right. tournament we're playing at the tables are already made for us. So for uh, the competitive right. match play, and that we're fine. When you're dealing with your buddies, you're also dealing with a social contract there. So exactly. social there you there you you're not going to play it. with as a jerk anyway. So if you have something like that, you're going to talk about that. I have still you can still play by these rules, but you're still conscious of the idea of I'm, I have to let the have the ziggurat has to be in their deployment, right? Exactly. Uh, right, and, and that's and, you know that's, that comes down to the home brewed rules and the and the you know things of that matter. And like you said, social contract. It's just like it, it's just one of those annoyance things where it's like they didn't think about that in the rule set when they made this for tournament situations and things of that matter, where it's right. like, it's the first piece down before anything else. Right. You know, all right. And, well, at least that's the way I look at it, you know? And, well, I, and I think, I think, I think those are all valid points, but let's, let's, yeah. let's, uh, let's stretch the taffy out a little bit more on this topic. Battle plans. Now I, I, everyone's starting to sweat right now going, Oh gosh, we're going to be here till midnight. If we talk about all these battle plans, but well, I know there's, there's, there's quite a few changes let throw, here. Let me throw one at you real quick, Pat. That's well, a real quick. Well, I'll, 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 yeah, there's there's quite a few changes uh, that that are this, and and some of them are subtle, some of them are complex, and and we're not going to be getting into all of them. But I thought we would go through some of the more impactive battle plans, if that makes well, sense. Yeah, that you makes know, sense. The, the 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 additions of the battle plans needing certain types of units to to get additional points should force people to consider more balanced lists in order to not uh, lose on points. So I like what they've done there. Yeah. But from a high level view lots of deployment maps have switched to a more traditional style and, and, and lots of missions have had bonuses for scoring with a certain type of unit nearby, which is presumably to encourage, like I said before, more mixed armies. Um, I like what they've done with the secondaries now called auxiliary objectives. Yeah. Simply, simply put, if, if you compete, um, if you complete, I'm sorry, more auxiliary objectives in your opponent, then it changes the battle result from a draw to a minor victory. And, 
the secondary objectives are really, uh, in my opinion, uh, a great addition. And, and while some might seem more of an auto take than others, I, I, I think there's something I think there's something there for everyone and, and should bring uh, an extra level to the game. I think it, it, it's, it's a bit, it's, it's a bit sad that um, they, they only affect ties. Uh, I, I'd like, I, I was hoping for a little more after I've read into them a couple of times, but, but those are a lot more common in age of Sigmar than in 40 K I think. So, so that's, you know, kind of moving on, but um, so, so here it is going, going to these objectives uh, and I know, and these do tie into battle plans. That's why I'm starting here with these guys. So you pick two of these at the start of the battle in secret, then reveal them to your opponent at the same time. These yep. are, are ticked off through the game. There's no really indication that I've found that they, that they have to be achieved in any specific phase of the game unless it states that uh, in the objective itself. And, and uh, another point about these things, these also replace kill points. Um, right? That, that is correct. Yeah, they, they replace kill points. It's a, yeah. Um, so, Kevin, I'm throwing this one to you first. I mean, any particular auxiliary objectives stand out as, as, as your favorite? Any ones you like over the other? Uh, not really, because it depends on which hour you're playing, right? So you can, yeah. again, I think you're able to theme your auxiliary objectives towards the type of armor you're playing. So I, I like that. There's nothing that's super uh, is going to be a go-to, because it all depends on which army I'm playing on that day. Uh, I like that we're getting rid of uh, the kill point section. That's one thing I'm happy about because, again, allows you to be a little more trickier in your unit selection. You don't just have to go for the beat stick anymore. Oh, yeah. Which I like a lot. Uh, you have to play in all the phases. And the auxiliaries, uh, depending on that, you can choose which phase you maybe you're stronger in, and you'll choose objectives that are going to help you with that. Sure. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't really, I can't really say I have. And particularly what I say would be a go-to because again, it just depends on which army I'm playing and what version of the army I'm playing. I like it. That's a great. Uh, that's a great way to put it, Justin. What do you think, man? Well, I have to agree with him on that. I definitely. I there. You would. You're going to choose your auxiliaries based on your opponent, the yeah. battle plan, what's happening. You know, in terms of what you see hitting that table before you guys actually roll that first dice. Sure. So, none of these seem bad. Um, I know with my cities of Sigmar, I probably would lean more towards like a defender or something of that, or yeah. us or a hold ground because I don't move right. I, unless I absolutely have to. But you know that again is going to depend on the battle plan. You know because yeah. like you go right. to you look at start you look at Starfall, you have no idea where the objectives are. So at some point or another, you're moving your line. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's funny when I look at these objectives, these auxiliary objectives, you know, um, being that, that, uh, you know, I only really play Beast of Chaos or Ogre Maw Tribes. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I have some that play to my particular play style, which, which I think most folks uh, will try and gravitate towards if they play like this. I like the aggressor. Uh, mm -hmm. That's great for ambushing armies, i.e. my Beast of Chaos. You know, th that's where you control all the objectives in your opponent's territory. Right. Um, the invader, that's another one that comes to mind. This one complements the aggressor uh, at, the, at the end of your, your, your battle. Uh, if you have more units in your opponent's territory than they do, you get that. Um, yep. Another one I think is, uh, let me grab my book. I think Defender, I think that was the one. Um, I like the, yeah, uh, yeah, Defender. I, I like the, um, the yin-yang it almost presents to the aggressor uh, objectives. Uh, this one is uh, obviously no enemy units in, in, in your territory at the end of the battle. Uh, right. Pillage, that would probably be my last one, I think, that uh, off the top of my head. I mean, uh, this is uh, uh, no enemy units in, in, in your territory at the end of the battle. Uh, or no, uh, let me gotta grab my book again. I think Pillage is... Um, 
Oh, yeah. All right. Sorry. Uh, pillage is, I like this one because you pick a terrain feature in your enemy's territory. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it um, uh, it, it, it get a friendly uh, unit with uh, with wound characteristic or five or more, more than three inches at the end of a round. Um, so uh, you, you, you can't uh, do this by, by teleporting a unit. So I think those are the three that, or those are the four that I kind of, I kind of dig as far as, as far as those, but um, battle plans. Kevin. Well, well, back to the objectives for just a second. Okay, sure. yeah, I, I, got, I got one more thing I want to say oh, about. Oh, all right. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to, 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 to jump on that one. All right, go. As a terminal organization, uh, organizer, what I would also be doing for the auxiliary objectives, though, is I'd be doing two things. The first thing I'd be doing is you can't uh, do the same objectives each about each round of the, the tournament. Shh, I would, you're, giving, I would... you're giving away the secrets of, of Armed Forces Day. Shh. away. <laughs> The second, the second part of because it only um, only affects it in certain points. I would have a prize for people gaining their objective. Even though it might not affect who wins that battle because they're only used for the ties. Basically, the way I have it set up, right. I still would track this on a score sheet because I think this uh, auxiliary objective should be one of the prize categories. It it actually is, uh, and and folks, uh, I'm going to be. Um, uh... As I normally do every year, I'll be giving out the Armed Forces Day scorecard uh, uh, this weekend for everyone to look at a week before the the tournament, so you guys can look at it and digest it. But yeah, uh, you know what? It, it's almost like Kevin helped me write it or something. He just he he just he, yep. <laughs> or, or, or if, if 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 it's true that great minds think alike, I'm honored to be in this man's company for sure. We are fellow noblars. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, hey, I want to encourage people not to try to streamline. I want them to uh, take a look at their collection and try to use as many different things as they possibly can, or at least have the ability to. So right. being able to play in the different phases, having a variety of different uh, types of models. So the idea of your battle line, your heroes, uh, your monsters. I want them to reward diversity Okay. and playing in all the phases. And I, I think it. auxiliary help you do that if you make them choose different ones each time. Okay. Well, the thing I was going to say about the auxiliaries, which I find interesting as well, is you can almost use these as part of your design of your army. Yeah. You, know, you can almost force your opponent into taking certain auxiliaries by the way you build your list. Yeah. You know, example with your ogres, Pat, you know, you got your big dude on, on Stonehorn. Right. You, mean, you put that as your big bad boy general, and you could, you could force your opponent to take Headhunter. Yeah, right. You know, because... You know, so that you know what they're, and it makes it so. That, hey, I'm forcing him to take this this auxiliary, and then I protect the living crap out of him. Yeah, right. So that you can't get that auxiliary. So, any smart general might build to help can use this to pull their army together and make their army a little bit harder to crack in that return. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Even like assassinate. Think of some of our right. uh, our heavier sh uh, shooting groups. Assassinate. If you allow them to take it every turn and that sort of thing, it's going to be pretty easy for them to pick out a hero. Uh, for us, you have to you have to make them think beyond just the, uh, the go tos. I just it's just this, the, the fact that you can use this as a double edged sword. On you know you can use yeah. it in your favor or you can use it as, as a depriment. Yeah. So I like that aspect of it because it adds that whole new twist to. Okay, we're not just fighting for the number of bodies and the number of kill points. Right. No. Exactly. Right. Yep. Exactly. A little bit. Um, all right. So so keep moving on this one. I mean, Kevin, any battle plans that stand out to you as good ones? Uh, well, I like the idea of the variety of things. So they've, they've done some, like you said, they have some nuances here uh, that actually change them up a bit. I like now that you don't need to have uh, a college degree in trigonometry to set up the board. <laughs> I really appreciate that. 
Yeah, but some of them were, were rough. 24 inches from this objective, 12 inches from this battle side, and 34 yeah. inches away right. from this corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> clockwise, depending on if it's yeah. a even day of the year. Right, and, and if you've yeah. eaten beans on Tuesday. <laughs> exactly. But one thing I appreciate that, again, it really opens up. There's some, there's some that are meh. Uh, but I, I like the new ones. I'm just, I'm just going to see which ones really stand out to me here at the moment. Someone else can jump in while I'm going there. Uh, Justin, what do you think? Anything, anything that uh, – give me one that you think. So I actually like what they did to Star Surge um, by reducing the amount Star, of – Star Strike? Star, oh, sorry, Star Strike, yes, by reducing the amount of territory hits on it. Because it's not like, okay, I got to divide the board by four inches, you know, 15 times over just to figure out where the hell the objective's going to land. Okay. And I like, um, I think it's, was it Blade's Edge or Knife to the Heart or one of the ones that they redid were the way the objectives are burnt off the off the table. So you're talking, about, just, you're talking about Scorched Earth? Uh, I don't think it's Scorched Earth. I, okay. Maybe. Yeah, no, Scorched Earth. Yeah, yeah. Scorched Earth. I like how they twisted those and changed them a little bit. So they're not just, okay, this is going to happen and you don't have it, you, you know, there's you know what's you know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen, or you're going to have your opponent sitting on it. Gotcha. I mean, yeah. Scorched Earth, the way it was written before is you would burn all your objectives and then just try to get over to your opponents, or every you know, or well, just I, I give think a knocker. You know, it was horrible. Yeah, I think the best improvement to Scorched Earth was was it's it's no longer being a vertical. Uh, it, it's a it's a uh, it's a horizontal zone. Right. Now, rather than a vertical, which I, th- I think is I think is a is in itself that's all they could have done. That would have been fine to me. I mean, Kevin, right. did you come up with one yet? What do you think? Uh, well, for deployment that sort of thing is we have to be careful because some of these ones here, like I'm not a big fan of the diagonal neck to heart. Uh, yeah. We have uh, I'm I'm not a fan of anything that uh, the setup of the table itself lends itself towards certain types of armies. So any of them that are going the short oh, edge. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like those ones because it lets people solidify that that front line and protect artillery. Like, yeah, uh, you don't want things where you can't get at the other people's stuff, or you need to have deep strike uh, units to be able to get it done. Forcing uh, a hand, forcing a hand is, is I'm not a fan of. Yeah, forcing a hand is a big one of that one where it's you put yeah. your artillery in the back corner of your table and just line your front edge, and unless they've got ambushers, they're not getting to it. Right. And you're, yeah, your battle line is condensed so much. There's no way for you to get through unless you have a trick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I'm just, just off the top and just kind of looking through here while you guys were talking. Better part of Valor, you know, that's another one. Uh, it, yeah. It's another vertical to, to horizontal change for the better. I mean, there's there's also uh, uh, quite a large change to, to controlling objectives in this mission uh, yeah. called the, uh, I think it's the Contest of Strength or something like that. And this is if. Uh, if a friendly battle line unit finishes a move within three inches of an objective, unless uh, that was a retreat move, the player loses control of that objective uh, if the mm-hmm. battle line unit is not within three inches or is destroyed. Um, right. I think only one battle line unit can control each objective at a time. If, if more than one unit is eligible, then the first to arrive controls it. Correct. So it's kind of like, a, you know, if, and I think um, if an enemy unit, controlling an objective is destroyed by attack by attacks made with a melee weapon by a battle line unit then the attacking unit immediately gains control of the objective as long as they're within three inches of it um i like that rule because i, I play a lot of axis and allies uh, yeah. and and with that game you can't control a portion of the map with aircraft and all that so you know if you get all these 
hokey players that would shoot you off of a off of an objective. And I, I like the fact that it's got to be controlled either by the first unit or by unit that gains it by killing you me- melee style. I, I like that. Well, I, I've always been a fan of, of missions that where the objective actually has to be held by bodies sitting on the objective and not just tagging it and running. Well, of course, yeah, yeah, I mean, occupying force, right? I mean, I mean, granted, granted, that is part of the game where you you know you, you tag and run and it it works out that way. I mean, Dustin and I last week at the War Meet played a game like that where it was a tag and run, and the tag and run is what won me the game. Right. Um, you know, am I a big fan of that kind of play style? Not particularly, but. It is in the rule set, and you know you get you get used to doing it. Sure. So, so you talked about bodies and that. Do you feel that this this group of battle plans, even though it does go between heroes in battle line and, and other pieces here, it tends to lend itself to the idea of more bodies on the table. I'm curious on how the giants or someone like that, or even like our our, our great Frost, point. How right. a lot of these here they just don't have the ability to be where everywhere they need to be well take take the ogre maw tribes you know they they they, they ah. help them out a lot by saying you know you know uh you know a, a monstrous beast you know a, a behemoth is worth 10 is worth is worth a unit of 10 yeah they could right. help more than made the man eaters less too but they didn't yeah. do that well i i think i think the giants are probably gonna have something similar to that although i don't i would like to see i would like to see the uniqueness of the ogre but, state but, of themselves and even right. if you do that with the giants and you count them as 10 models or 15 models or whatever, yeah. there's such limited bodies as it already is. These, all these are going to be detrimental to them unless they've got some kind of niche or, or yeah. but, something. But to go back with Kevin we, said, uh, yeah, it does seem like it's airing towards more bodies on the table. You're, you're absolutely right, Kevin, for sure. Which isn't fair because I want to play with the big toy giants, but how do I play Scorched Earth? So either I stay back and protect mine, or I go after yours. If I go after yours, because I have 2,000 points, we already have the, the point value for them. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. have the ability to get where you need to go. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and that, that's a good point. I mean, in Scorched Earth, uh, you, you don't have objectives uh, too deep in, in your territory, and instead no, no. you have to defend a wide front, right? I mean, that, that's yeah. – Right. So um, – you know, it, I think this also lends to the fact that you can no longer raise an objective if an enemy is within six inches of it, which is utterly amazing to me. I, I, I think that's, I think that's good and bad. I get, I get what you're saying there, Kevin. Yeah, that's kind of a, um, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, it's some of the, it just, it's, they're good battle plans. They did a lot of changes that make them, you know, streamlined. But well, then it seems like some armies are going to get hurt by it just because they don't have the numbers. But you know, I, I think, I think. I just answered my own question here with Scorched Earth, Kevin. I think with that one, this is where you gain an additional victory point if there's a friendly leader model within six inches when you when you raise that. Uh, so 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 instead yeah. of whatever the whatever the, whatever the victory point is worth, you gain an extra one if you have a a hero or a character within six inches of it. Right. So, yeah, but you're absolutely right, Kevin. It, 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 they're they're lending the fact that they want more bodies on the table for sure. What I find interesting here, and the bodies, though, seems to be going to be smaller units. So you might not be going for those core discounts, too, mm-hmm. because you want those units of 10, even units of 20 of the, the cheaper models, instead of that unit of 40 or 30, because those smaller units, again, give you the flexibility to move in different areas. Right. Plus, when people are shooting, they're making choices of which unit, how they spread their shots. Well, uh, you, have to, you have to look at the Excellent point cost point. across the board, too. Yeah. They removed a lot of those top-end Hoard discounts from a lot of armies. They did. You're right. Yeah. So you're not you're not going to see top horde armies or mass quantity armies because they got rid of that discount. There's only certain armies that have them, and it, usually they're the ones that are under anyway for that baseline battle troop. 
So with your group, how important is the idea of having the lower drops for uh, choosing who goes first? Oh, can I, can I answer this one first, Justin? Go for it. Uh, I'm a Beast of Chaos player or I'm, or I'm an Ogre Machives player. Yeah, yeah. I, I need my battalions, man. I, I need to be a one or two drop uh, army if I can do it. So for me, yeah. it's extremely important. But you want to know something that's funny that you say that, Kevin? It's, it's important for me for two different reasons. Mm-hmm. Reason number one, my Beast of Chaos. Uh, I got to be able to have the opportunity to go first or, or give you the turn first so that right. you can maneuver around the board and I can ambush all over the place around you and, 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 and string you out. Yeah. But on the, on, on the, on the opposite end of that with my Ogre Maw tribes, I need to be able to take that first turn so I can, I can, well, in, in, in half the time I want the choice to take that first turn so I can get to where I need to get to and block you off and do things. Or I need you to be able to move up so I can charge you. So for right. me, I I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be able to play those armies the way I play if I didn't have that. So I hope that answers your question. So for me, it's very important. Yeah. So I, I think I think it does. I think it depends on the army. So even like Lumineth with a new one, they want the first turn because they need to get their buffs up. They need to get the spells off first yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for that. But then there's other armies that really don't care. So having the extra flexibility of these smaller units could be bad. But then again, you have the smaller units in in your. Um, battalions as well. Right. They're not stopping you, right? Well, my my city's a Sigma army. I can't get that army under fourteen drops. Under fourteen At, drops. Wow. Are you wait a minute? Your your city's army that I've seen that's fourteen Four, drops. Currently, the current list I'm bringing to Armed Forces Day is sixteen drops. You're you're going second, unless they give me the turn. <laughs> Kevin, I cannot. Kevin actually looks stunned. Even if I combine <laughs> units, fourteen drops would be as low as I can get that army. That's that's that, that's interesting. He, he uh, almost Kevin because, almost looked like he fell out of his chair there when when well, you said that. <laughs> so so the army consists of four heroes, nice seven battle line, yeah, two specials or anything that or uh, what you want to call them, and like three behemoths. So there's no way I'm getting this thing under 14 drops. I mean, it's a massive gun line. Patrick has seen this line and he knows what it can do, nice. but it's never going to be under 14 drops. Yeah. I mean, Kevin, what what are your thoughts on this, man? I mean, it it, it you, I want to hear what what you think about it. Uh, a lot of times, uh, uh, so when I'm playing and that sort of thing, to be honest, 2000 is not my favorite game. I like thousand point games and I like team games. Those are the two things that we play and match play the most in our, in our club uh, for that. But for a 2,000-point game, I'm probably hitting – I I always make sure I have one of the battalions because normally there's a way of you doing a synergy with it so your groups can get your, your down. So I'm normally in the three to four drop in a 2,000-point game. Okay. Uh, I, and that's I, and that's still very respectable. That's good. It's yeah. respectable. I, I think the one, two things are, are very few and far between at this point. Yeah, they are. There's only I think there's only two armies that can do them, and even those have been kind of curtailed down mm, into where it's like one yeah. battalion, one battalion here, one battalion there that can do it. But for the most part, there's not a whole lot of armies that can do it anymore. I I've I'm building an army right now for for grave uh for night haunt, and I got it to three drops. Yeah, I I get it on the table in three. Yeah, I, I just know that for the armies I play, I need as little drops as possible. Right, and there's certain ones that you need because you have to ramp up. You have to build that power. You have to get the things done. Right. Oh, um, and incoming, 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 <laughs> not more. <laughs> My Nurgle Demon Army, I really don't care, and I'd rather spend it on bodies than putting it in the battalions anyway. 
for that one. That one's higher up. That one's eight or nine. It depends which one I'm doing. If I'm doing my flies or I'm doing my, my hoardy type version of it. Got it. I, 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 I have noticed that more of the, like, say, the chaos side, the, 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 uh, the death side, and the destruction, they usually can get lower drop rates. But when you get to the order side, most of the order, they're on the higher end unless they have battalions to support them. Um, unfortunately, Cities of Sigmar is not one of those. No. They're, they're pushing 12 drops depending on the city to or more just because of the amount of troop interaction they have to have. Yeah. Right. So it, it's just the way it is. And I mean, the army I play, like I said, is gray water fastness. So I'm at 16 drops. Right. <laughs> I can't, I can't do anything about it. At the amount of drops for a lot of these battle plans, though, is going to give you flexibility that a lot of people don't have, or they're right. going to have a hard time taking off everything that's going on the objectives because they knock out the one part. You're still going to have the ability to have a smaller group around that same area, right? And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I, guys, battle plans. We can, we can, we can, we can be here till next Tuesday. So let, let's start yeah. winding this down with with this one. How about how about realms of battle? I'll just say this right now: malign sorcery, for the most part, is dead. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. They, so they killed it more than more than just that way. Yeah. So so they the limited new, they limited endless spells. So the new realm rules yeah. are I have to say under underwhelming, right? I guess the best way to yeah. put it. And and yes. that's probably a good thing. Uh, for the last few years, uh, there have been auto take items and and and, and realms which have made entire battle tomes uh, worth of art, artifacts virtually irrelevant. And I don't see any of these new ones being taken. So people will go back to their codexes to look for replacements for the Aether Quartz brooch and the Thermal Rider cloaks and all those other things. So I like the fact that we're going back to our battle tomes. Uh, uh oh, you got a nobbler there with you. Um, yeah, he's, he's going to figure with me for the rest of the show. <laughs> now, now you get one artifact and one command ability per realm, as well as uh, Realm Sphere and, and Realm Gate features for, for playing in that realm. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to throw this to you, Kevin, first. Do you, do you think this will be mostly ignored by tournaments? All the rounds? Yeah. Do you, do you think that uh, that that the the actually playing in the the actual realms themselves? Oh no, I, I definitely think you're going to be playing in the realms uh, for the thing. I think the reason they did this is because you had your army, your opponent had your army. If you were going to a tournament where this round were going to be ashy. Then you had to go, okay, so Ashi is this extra command trait. These are the spells extra I have available to me. There was too much stuff going on. Right. So again, it slowed things down, and half the time you forgot what was there. Sure. Uh, so it, it was it was a waste. You have the potential now, because I, I, I like tournament organizers that when they do their tables up, the tables are themed. Right. So I want to see it look like the realms that, yeah. that we're playing it in. Uh, and I and also too, I want it to be where you have multiple rounds. I don't want each round being a certain. Uh, I sorry, each round being a certain yeah. round. Yeah, and, I want able being a certain and, round. And that goes back to your your point. You're a story guy. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Story guy. Exactly. Well, so you, it's easier. You yeah. didn't just you didn't just add the one command trait per realm either. They added two additional command traits that weren't even in there, right. which is the all out attack and the all out of defense. Sure. Yep. Those yep. got added as well, so you actually have choice of like seven different command traits just going into a realm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. On yeah. top of your on top of your war scroll. Yep. And, this and, you know, these, 
this allows you to put a little card on each of the tables that uh, everyone can read from a distance because you don't have to put a ton of stuff on there, and it gives you all the rules you need to know. So yeah. the object you're using it is there, and, and it's going to feel again like the fluff, and that's that's awesome. And it's right. those go-to automatics because right. it's, it's yeah, you don't want to have something. Okay, well, I'm taking this, and I have to take this because min-max for the points. I need to do it, or else I'm not going to be competitive. Right. So, Right. Forget that. Let's let's have it fun. Most of these things, yeah, they're not going to be used uh, for it. But yeah, they least... seem they seem very watered down to me from 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 uh, you know the artifact to me. They they seem they seem very watered down. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I get the one command trait I can see going off all the time is going to be all out attack, all out defense, just because those command traits, you know, rerolling your hits, rerolling your your saves at all times right I mean, that's that's pretty nasty yep and there's some circumstantial ones like gur is pretty cool for mock three things uh, right like the feral roar i'm looking at here but uh, there's a lot of circumstantial pieces but it's a different realm it should be circumstantial right so i think this gives more of a people are going to say they're going to use it because of this format at, at least for the 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 spell and that because it's less for them memorized, so they're going to know what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I, I like the rerolls of one for hits, wounds, and saves from I think it's Heish, Ulgu, and Shaish. Uh, but but that's really about it for me. I mean, I I, I guess right. I guess I got to get into a little more to be a little more fair about my my comments on that. But uh, that's off the top of my head right now. Well, I mean, it's it's just going to depend on what the army is doing, what the battle plan's doing, and if it's going to come into effect or not. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well, good stuff, man. I mean, anything else before we wrap up the General's Handbook 2020 on the match play? Uh, overall, again, I like what they did here for uh, multiplayer events. We love Triumph and Treachery, uh, playing those type of games. Oh, yeah. Uh, we love uh, backstabbing okay. each other left and right. I'm, to be honest, though, I, I am a bit disappointed with the idea of the point change. I know you guys talked about it last, last episode. Right. But the point change and that sort of thing, I think there 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 is no uh, meat to it whatsoever. Uh, they had more enough information about what's going on. We're in the age of apps and the age of digital content. The, the changes that they made in here uh, are, are just ridiculous. Yep. It seemed to be geared towards people uh, in the marketing side of Games Workshop instead of the people saying, okay, this is what something should feel like. Monsters were screwed again. Uh, a lot of the, the units, uh, especially like the tougher ones, like the ogres and that sort of thing, there were significant things should have, should have been changed. They weren't done. There was ways for them to make some changes that would have been uh, very positive uh, to help you build the army. But even the idea, too, is they shouldn't be afraid to alter war scrolls. No, no, so, definitely not. Just not doing it. I don't understand. Yeah, you know, Kevin, you make a great point. And, you know, off offline, folks, what we were all talking about was Kevin was mentioning that, you know, these these little mamby-pamby little, you know, five and ten point little jogs that they put into all these these lists. I got, you know, I hadn't thought about it before you said that, Kevin, but I totally agree. I, I miss the days when points were a little more sustainable. And, yeah, was it a perfect system back in Warhammer Fantasy Battles? No, it wasn't. But I, I miss when things were a little more sustainable over a long period of time. I think this this two and three times a year we're getting the winter updates, the FAQs, the uh, you know the, the every year with the general's handbook changes. I think I think I have to agree with you. I think they you have to do something that's going to be a little more impactive to the game. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I but you know that that goes back to what we talked about last week, where we kind of mentioned you know maybe these units aren't being play tested well enough. Maybe they're kind of just being put out there. Um, to produce a product line, and they're not really—they're not really putting a lot of study behind them. 
Well, I think there's there's ex. We know a lot of the playtesters uh, through podcasts or through them being our friends, and we know they're very skilled and talented people sure. and really good yeah, absolutely. So I don't, I don't think it's that the, it's not being playtested. Nothing may not be listened to. Uh, again, I clip rule sets. You know that I, that's that's, I, great, that's a good point. More, it'd be more like uh, have you guys ever played the game Malifaux? Oh yeah, sure. Yes. All right. I would love the General's Handbook to be more like the the books that come out each year from Malifaux, which progresses the story and it changes and alters the characters yeah. and our community units. Yeah, that's because, a great point. Well, because, I mean, yeah. saw, we, we saw all that fluff come through when you know fifth edition went to sixth edition to seventh edition when characters went blind, lost hands. Yeah, they, they changed those kind of profiles. I mean, they could do the same thing going forward. You know where. Units have to adapt to the times, you know, you know, all of a sudden or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things they could do there and they have the opportunity. I just don't know if they're getting lazy on it or if they're well, just trying you to. Know I, I, I think after, from, you know? from what I've heard from a couple of play testers and obviously, you know, they, this is what they've told me that they're getting a lot of input. A, they're not getting enough time to to play test and, and competently, you know, give their their white papers is the best way to put it back to GW. And the other thing is they like the point that Kevin just made. They don't feel that some of the things that they're giving back to them are being listened to. So I think that's a failure point. And, and that's kind of what I was trying to get at when I said, maybe they're not play testing, meaning the, the, the you know, look, I, I'm, my day job is engineering. You know, there's a lot of things we need to go through to make sure we get it right. And generally when things happen that are, that, that, that go wrong, it's because there wasn't enough uh, study. There wasn't enough, uh, you know, verification done on whatever that item or thing or calculation was. And I think that, that, that could happen. And I think it is a disservice to the new person coming into the hobby. Like I'm lucky. I have a lot of stuff. There's, there's I have most of the models I because I have a, a big collection and it's good. But I can, I can adapt pretty quickly. But let's think about like a young kid or someone that's in university that doesn't have a lot of extra money. They, they invest in their army. They're, they're getting it up because they love the army, put it together. And all of a sudden a book comes out and it just messes it up so no, it's longer right. played the same way it's no longer effective for them in that respect right or it squashes a unit out completely yeah like, I, like exactly like slanesh is a great example they keep on just hitting it hitting it hitting it sure it needed it need to have some things done to it but i think it's not a point thing i think sometimes it's about the idea of, of just altering the rules a little more right. um yeah i and then sometimes when they're altering the rules, it just doesn't make any sense. Like the changeover from the idea of, okay, so we now, when we roll the two plus, we can bring five pink horrors instead of 10 pink horrors. Well, <laughs> just, just don't have pink horrors, okay? If that's, if that's what you're trying to do, just just say it. Don't play this passive-aggressive garbage with us. Just say, okay, this is too much. This is why. Change the rule for the idea or take the spell away from the person so it's just in the points. But the five thing just makes no sense. And I'm not going to uh, summon uh, Plague Bearers or the Daemonets because it doesn't make sense to the story of my army. Exactly. He, right. He's there because yeah, right. he's Ichi. That's yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. And it just bothers me when they do these little things. It, is, it just seems like some things are very heavy-handed on. And then the point changes where they're, they're needed to make those those soft mid armies a little more competitive. So they might not go five for five, but at least they have a good chance of going three for five or whatever. Right. right. They point. don't take that initiative. Or, 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 or the, fun, the fun thing I find about it is when they mitigate a hero's points down like 20 points, but they raise the battle line by 20. It's like, yeah. you know, it, it's like, why, why would, why would you lower a hero, but raise the battle line, which is the main bread and butter of the army 
and you're, you're it's not like you're crippling the army any way or form, but you're you're just playing with the points just to play with the points. Right. Yeah, you have these 40 or 50 extra points now, or 40 or 50 less points. Oh, great. So I have 50 extra points. I'll get another end of the spell. No, you won't, because we only allow three of those now. So what are you spending those points on? How is it going to alter that 2,000-point army effectively? Or when you're playing a 1,000-point game, it's even worse. There's yep. not enough change there. You end up saying, okay, who gets a Trifon Treachery roll? That's basically all that's really effectively done. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know what? Uh, bravo, man. Those are some great points. Um, yeah, you know what? And, and I think, I think this is what we're going to see the game either evolve. I mean, they're going to have to do it. I think, I think this is, I think this general's handbook, what I, what I appreciate about it is the reset factor that it's done to the hobby. Uh, I like the, or the, the game. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's my biggest plus on the, on, on, on this, on this general's handbook, Kevin, what's your, what's your plus takeaway? What's your biggest positive on this book? The positive thing in this book is so the thing I love the most because it, it is the hero generator. Got, that oh. is freaking awesome. And we're going to use it in match play. Yep. I don't care if it's not meant for it or not. It's awesome. You know we, we you know what we call that here in Grimdark Live? What's that? We, that? we call that Build-A-Bear for Nerds. Nice, exactly. <laughs> a couple of tweaks have to be done, they have to fix. But overall, I think it's really it's a great way of doing some nice uh, conversions in that. I love it. Be great. Justin, what about you, man? What's your favorite takeaway on the new General's Handbook 2020? I'd have to say build a bear for nerds, but I also like the idea of aerial combat. Yeah. Oh, that was a good one. That's a good nice. one. Good stuff. All right, guys. Well, we're going to be right back with the question of the day with our guest, Kevin. Hey, gang. I really hope you're enjoying the Grimdark Live show so far. Thanks for being with us. But before we get to the question of the day, I want to ask you to head over to GrimdarkLive.com to enter the Nerd Bunker by becoming a supporter of the show on Patreon. There are six different levels to fit the support you may be interested in, and all provide special benefits and services to our members. So please head over to GrimdarkLive.com and become a patron of the show. And while you're on GrimdarkLive.com, you should know that Grimdark Live isn't just there for entertainment. We're a full-time miniatures assembly and painting service. We have three different levels that we currently paint to, and we provide free quotes. So let us know if you have something you need painted, and we'll get it done for you. And if Patreon or painting isn't something you're ready to do at this time, we totally understand. And thank you for spending time with us here on Grimdark Live. So with that said, let's get to the question of the day. You should be passionate about it. Yeah, always. All right, guys. We are back with the question of the day here on Grimdark Live. So you guys ready? Question of the day coming up. Okay. Kevin, we're throwing at this one, we're throwing this one at you first. So here it is. Has there been a hidden benefit to the hobby during this pandemic that has gone unnoticed? Yes. I think it's the idea of appreciation for our community. Pure and simple. It really the community stepped up. We had we have a game that relies on us being across the table, uh, playing, uh, going against it. So traveling to a convention, to your game store, to your buddy's uh, rec room, whatever the case is. And we've had to uh, change that around because we can't, we couldn't do that because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. However, what this showed us is that we're resilient. 
Uh, we find ways of still getting together and people have taken time to check in on those people that might not be doing as well under the circumstances. So this makes me more and more proud. And the reason why I love supporting things like what you guys are doing, why uh, I, I'm such a fan of the other podcasts that are out there is that it shows that we have a community and it's, it's there to help us when we need it. Well said, man. Well said, Justin question back to you, man. Has there been a hidden benefit to the hobby during this pandemic that has gone unnoticed? Yeah, there has. Um, and I agree with Kevin on everything he says. I mean, it's the same point values for across the board. You know, we've we've gone into this pandemic as a community and we've come out stronger. The community has grown. The community has stood by each other. The community has shown its its true true stripes towards the game and towards each other, just in general, each other. I mean, you, you stand with your brothers. Right. You know, you stand with your sisters, whatever you want to, whatever you want to label it as. Yeah. And if, if you don't, then, you know, maybe this is not the community for you, but you know, that being said, there hasn't been that kind of fallout. I haven't seen that. Like you have in other communities where people get locked into their homes and it just falls apart. You know, our social contract has pushed us that way and it's made us stronger as a, as a whole. Right. Yeah, for me, I, I guess it, for me, nothing is trivial, you know, right? I mean, and when, when this hobby, something that uh, I use as a therapy myself, uh, was taken away when you couldn't get out there to see your buddies and roll those dice and yeah. laugh and create a world. And uh, it, it, there, was that, there was an empty hole there that not, not many things could ever fill. And when you finally had that opportunity to get back out at the tables, you know, shake those dice and, you know, measure your, your models and question a rule, uh, it made you appreciate all those things that were gone for for months, and, and and even as we sit here doing this goofy little show right now, that is gone for many other people that are still without it, for whatever reason they can't be there. So, I think the the moral of the story that I had in thinking about the question of the day was, uh, appreciate what you have, appreciate what you have, whether it's whether it's this game or your family or your friend next to you, uh, because I'll tell you what, you know, without a situation like this to kind of you know, gloom over us. Um, I'll say this, you know, time itself, time is a glutton that eats up life. And, you know, we always say we don't have time to do this or time to do that. We hear about it all the time when people are saying, oh, I can't get to this army to paint it. You yeah. know, um, there's plenty of time. The trick is to apply it. And with with a situation like this and, and in a game like this and uh, the, the, the community that we that we found that we have, these awesome, wonderful people, um, appreciate what you have because you never know. It, it could be taken from you. It could be gone. You could be gone. So yeah. cherish it all. And, and that's what it's done for me. It made me really appreciate it all the, uh, all the more. Wait a minute. What the hell is that? What's going on? And now it's time for that part of the show where we present the rules from hell. <laughs> Yes, that's right, Grimdark Goons. It's time for the Rules from Hell, where we present the game rules from the past or present of the Warhammer worlds that just sucked. Here it is, gang. A Warhammer rule from hell. Let's face it. Sometimes we, the players, are the hell to the rules. So listen up, you short-pants little demons. We're pointing our fingers right back at you for getting the rules wrong and making these rules hell on the tabletop. 
Rerolls apply before the modifiers. Say for example, you're on a Hellstrider's aura of negative one to hit. You normally hit on fours, but have the effect saying you can re-roll failed to hit rolls. You can only re-roll ones, twos, and threes, but not fours, even though the four will end up missing. It's not considered a failed roll until after modifiers are applied. That's definitely a rule from hell. And now you know a rule from hell. <laughs> all right, let's get back to the show. So awesome question of the day, man. Way, great answers all around, man. I loved it. I loved it. So uh, we're at our point with the closing thoughts of the show, and we're going to throw it over to the co-host. Uh, Justin, closing thoughts are yours, bud. Okay, here we go. Brothers and sisters rejoice. We're coming out of a pandemic, and we're getting back to the tables. We're able to roll dice with our sisters and brothers in battle. We're able to question rules. We're able to have a fun time back in society with our community and our con and our social contracts. But that being said, be safe. Don't take advantage of anybody that's around you and take their health and their experiences into your own. They are your brothers. They are your sisters. They will always be that in our community. Our community has grown, our community has strived, and our community has come together. Let's go forward, make this community great, and continue to move forward and throw those dice out of our sweaty palms. That being said, I'm Grimdark Justin, and I hope wish you all a good night. Well said. Well said. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, guys, yeah, that is the uh, that's the end of the show. And and uh, first and foremost, I want to thank our awesome guest Kevin Jacoby of uh, Six Squared Studios for being with us tonight. Uh, folks, get over to their website. Uh, buy everything on the site. Uh, buy it for your friends. Buy it for your close relatives. Uh, buy it for people that don't want to uh, get into the hobby. Buy it for people you don't like. Mend that bridge with with gifts from Six Squared Studios. Uh, all seriousness, um, I can speak from from experience of not only being somebody that has been obliged by these wonderful people um, at Six Squared Studios to have their donations, but also as a customer. Folks, take it from me. Um, awesome stuff, awesome people, awesome products, awesome company. And uh, that's who we need to support in this hobby. So, so Kevin, thank you so much, not only for being on this goofy little show, but for being who and what you are, man. you just a wonderful person. Thank you. Well, thank you, guys. I like. Yeah. I appreciate what the podcasters out there do, what your show does, what the others do, because it, it, it really brings people forward. And, and your messages out there, the continuity of you guys coming on here, uh, and a consistent schedule uh, makes a difference in a lot of people's lives. It, it brings us together. So thank <laughs> you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it, folks. Another great show, and that's a wrap. And please don't forget to give our, our channel a like or subscribe uh, if you haven't already done so, and follow our podcast. And if you haven't already done any of this, if you, if, and if you don't, uh, Kevin from, from Six Squared Studios and the Grimdark Goons, we're going to come over to your house, and we're going to pour Lamia Medium into all your paints and forcing you to have to do 47 thin coats instead of two. So I want you to be aware of that. We will do that. We will do that. So, folks, I thought you were, were going to say chop them up and turn them into MDF. Jesus, you know, you know, I, you know that that was an idea Kevin had. I wasn't going to bring that up or anything. Like that. I wasn't going to do that. It's called recycling. <laughs> oh. uh, but, folks, thank you all so much for for being with us this evening, and may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms. So, until we meet again, roll them dice, fun and fair, 
and don't be a short pants. <laughs> night, everybody. Good night, night. everyone. And we will see you again uh, uh, next week. Yep. Bye. Dark Live, I'd like to thank you for slumming it through another show with us for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Age of Sigmar worlds. We'll be back live next Thursday, so until then, remember, roll them dice fun and fair, and don't be a frickin' short pants. And if you missed the live show, you can catch us again right here on the next Grimdark Live podcast. Never fear, gang. There'll be more great content from Grimdark Live throughout the week with Monster Mondays, Table War Tuesdays, Warhammer Wednesdays, Grimdark Grudge Matches, and a ton more. So stay tuned and stay grim, all you dice-chuck-and-glue-sniffing gamer goons. You're all awesome. Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Remember, embrace the main message here from Grimdark Live, and that's a social contract we have between gamers and the commitment we have to each other and this community. We're only as good as our last game. Check us out at GrimdarkLive.com. Don't forget to give our channel a like or subscribe if you haven't already done so. So long, Grimdark Goons. Until next time, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms. Bye. short pants.